Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Hey, thanks, K-Pat. Boom. Welcome into The Net Live. Oh, is that too loud for you, Katie? Because yeah, Kevin was... Kevin was messing with your audio. Yeah, but how's that? Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. You hear the usual right now. Kevin Barnett, DJ Jeremy Ruche, and another week of Katie Charles. Hi, Katie. What happens when your 13-year-olds are done for the season? Yeah, right on. Well, I'm you glad you're spending your Mondays with us. You do. I coach eighth grade volleyball. No, I, I look old enough to have yeah, to say her own yeah. 13. I was confused. We have a show planned for you today. Let me say right up front, for those that are wondering, we will not be here next week. It is considered a holiday week. <laughs> we do not work holidays or holiday weeks. Taking the whole now. week off. We're taking the whole week off. So, uh, yeah, that's it. We'll see you after Selection Sunday. Sweet. Ooh, can we do a special Selection Sunday show? Katie. I know, I'm asking a lot here. Maybe. I'll consider it. Katie, who comes to three shows per year, is now trying to dictate <laughs> hey, how the no, show goes. Like another show. Uh... She all wants to be on the intro and stuff, too. It's unbelievable. No. Oh, no, I think i got three more years, so that's At happen. least. <laughs> I, know, we'll, I know my role. Let's yeah, <laughs> at least three more years. Uh, so we will be back the following Monday with a selection show or Sunday, depending upon what Katie wants to do. <laughs> and, uh, and we will be out of here next week, so we hope you enjoy a Thanksgiving after this show. But we have an incredible show for you planned right now. It's going to more than make up for our lack of appearance next week. You have wondered, you have heard, you know Matt Anderson left his club in Russia a couple of weeks ago, leaving behind a bazillion dollars. And cold, dark, miserable, unhappy Putinville. How many zeros are in a bazillion T? Uh, we're going to have to ask uh, okay. Keanu Reeves from just, his appearance on Celebrity Jeopardy. Just curious. <laughs> but he uh, he's back in the States. The report was suffering from symptoms of depression. We decided that we would like to hear directly from the source. So we have Matt Anderson calling in. He will be on here in about a half an hour. We'll talk to Matt about the situation, about being a professional volleyball mercenary and the risks associated with that when it comes to your person and your family life, your relationships with people. It's uh, it's not an easy thing to manage what Matt has uh, been going through. I know because I was there. Uh, we've had Reed talk about it before, some of the stuff that he has gone through. So we'll have Matt Anderson here on the show to clarify and talk about his decision this year to come back to the States midseason from overseas. And kudos to him for coming on and talking about it, by the way. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. In advance. Uh, also, you heard about this. We teased this. We had you guess at who it might be. We had a little sit-down out on the patio. Yeah, you went big time for this guest, Kevin. It had to look nice. I yeah. cleaned the house. Got a haircut. Took a shower. 17-year-old me was, like, <laughs> just uncontrollable, nervous, yeah. sweaty, yep, spitting. <laughs> yeah, stumbling over your words. It's Gabby Reese. So we had Gabby Reese here at the home court. Was it Wednesday? Last Wednesday. That was last Wednesday. We had Gabby Reese here at the home court. We will give you part one 
of our hour-long sit-down with the volleyball modeling legend. It was scheduled to be a 30-minute interview. Right. And all of a sudden, it was about 55 minutes in. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. She she and she would have kept talking. She was comfy. Yeah. She had a flight to catch, though. Jen Meredith, her, Jen Meredith Castillo, who went to Pepperdine just before I did, was our connection there. So thank you to her personally. Thank you for arranging that. Mm-hmm. But she had gone to do some errands, and I noticed she wasn't back at a half hour, so I figured, well, we'll just, we'll just keep talking. We'll keep on rolling here. What are you supposed to say? And we're done. So we will have part one of that interview with Gabrielle Reese. Great sit-down. Fun fun to kind of hear some of the things that she's into, her perspective on stuff from back in the day, how things came about for her. Uh, right person, right time with a yep. lot of what went on. So really cool. I'm looking forward to that. I know you are, too. College Volleyball Weekly. This will be an interesting one. There were three undefeateds going into the weekend, and not everybody made it. In fact, some people stumbled a little bit more, even. Hmm. Hmm. Things get interesting. interesting. Something about altitude. Hmm. Yeah, altitude's lame for volleyball. Something about North Carolina. Super lame for volleyball. Yeah, I don't know what it is about North Carolina. Maybe they were at the NASCAR Museum late one night and weren't ready for the match the next day. Hmm. Maybe that happened. That eight-mile trip down Tobacco Road was too much fun. <laughs> Long bus ride. Separated by eight miles and a couple shades of blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the, but the result was the same. So we will chat about that with our correspondents, Brett and Rosenthal and Vinny Lopes. That should be a lot of fun. And didn't you get another photo with a mascot, I believe? Oh. You were carrying said mascot? Wilma, That's true. Wilma looked awfully excited to hang out with you. Wilma and I get along. That bow is attractive. Interesting. Not going to lie. Yeah. She stared at me with those cat-like eyes, <laughs> and I was smitten. Oh, you you <laughs> were saving bow. You wrote those down this weekend. You're like, I'm going to have to use that for the show. Oh, boy. I like what Katie just said. I was smitten by the kitten. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> I like that's your thing now, though, Kevin. That made the broadcast, by the way. Did it really? Yeah, because they it was at intermission between sets two and three. I hustled out. Took a picture, up. picked her up, took another picture. Now, did you did you just swoop in from behind and pick her up? And she's like, oh, my God. I did not grab her. But okay. I do realize there's a person in the costume, okay. not just a giant cat. I do <laughs> realize that. So I, I did get the picture. So they showed on the broadcast what had gone on during the intermission. They nice. Said, this is, this awesome. is me uh, collecting my photographs. So yep. It actually made the broadcast. Oh, yeah. Two teams. Were you while watching you, the while show? While you were holding your phone, walking back, playing with it, they had the camera on you the whole yeah. time. And I was like... Yep. So yeah, was texting and working, Kevin. He was he was posting I, the picture. Uh, yeah, I've got immediately. Immediately. Yeah. I've got six minutes in between. That's plenty of time. In the world of TV, you start to learn to operate in like fifteen-second <laughs> segments. You know this, Jeremy? I uh, hear you. You work in fifteen or twenty-second segments. Yep. Six minutes is like an eternity. Like, oh, jeez. I think I might uh, go to the bathroom, get a hot dog, come back, eat it, and I'm ready. <laughs> so so far this season, if I'm counting correctly, we are four mascots in. Yeah, and it only started a little while ago. I wish I had started it earlier. And I'm real, a little upset with Utah. They did not bring the eagle. No huh. eagle in sight. I'll get one for you. Do when, you have a, uh, you have a Stanford I match? T- I want to see with the weird palm tree they have this year. Oh, I want to a take a picture tree? with the tree. I think it's a palm tree this Well, because you make your own costume with no. the tree. Yeah. Well, the Stanford, I actually thought the palm tree looked pretty good this year, if did. I recall. It's pretty cool. Do they have there have been other ones that look terrible. Stanford? Yeah. Hmm. California still. You do you, you have the Washington Stanford match, don't you? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Along with your buddy, Al Skates. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh Al. <laughs> it's gonna be entertaining. You never know what Al might do. Or say. Or say, yeah. He uh he slammed the SEC. 
which was awesome. Nice. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> that was my immediate response was straight to your Facebook. I, did I just hear that right? <laughs> Through the SEC under the bus. I, did they deserve it? Does the yes. SEC deserve it? Yes. Well, they had too LSU many teams in last year. lost to Mississippi State yesterday. And Mississippi State, by the way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're in a rebuilding cycle for the fifth year. I'm sorry. Five, only five? I, I think know. you go back a little further. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like Al because he is startling, startlingly honest. He will throw it out there, and Al he might just he might just start talking at any point during during the broadcast. Al might just start in, and you know what you do? You just let him go. That's what I do. Yeah, I just get in the talk back and and press the button to the truck. Say, Coach, why don't you take this one? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> a lot of fun working with Al. I actually, here's kind of a funny thing for me. I've been in this business now, broadcasting business, since 2007, Full, doing professional things. Before that, I had done some stuff in like 2002. I'd done probably 20, 30 things back in Colorado Springs, amateur, very amateur. Well, 2007, so what are we looking at, seven years? Yep. I have been full-time, like full, full-time since, we'll call it 12. We'll say 12. When I came out of the Olympic Games and I was looking to get another job, I was thinking about quitting. This show was going away. The whole thing was it was over. And I ended up working for Pac-12 and Fox and other entities. So it's, it's kind of kicked off from there. I've been full-time play-by-play since 12, so two years, three seasons now if you count what's going on here this year. So at this point, I am now the, the veteran for a lot of the volleyball broadcasting that's happening. It's weird when that transition happens. Yeah. Like you show up to work one day and you're like, oh, I really know what I'm doing and I can help a lot of other people do their jobs too. Yeah. It it, it started last year, at the towards the waning part of last year, I think during men's season, actually, so it would be earlier this year, but because uh, I work more on like a end of summer to uh, – and end of summer to beginning of summer yep. for me, for my my year, more or less. So it started with that. And I remember a producer saying to me, well, we have this element. Then we we got to get to this other element over here. And then we got to add this other section here. And he just said, well, you know, whatever. You're, you're a professional. You'll figure it out. Love it. And I thought to myself, actually, that's true. I never really thought about it. So you just said it. But that's true. I'm a professional. Yeah, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. So lately, I've been breaking in some new people. Kim Oden. Uh huh. Had her for a couple of broadcasts. I think she had done, I want to say, one or two before I got her. Maybe one. And and you can feel the the newness for those folks. Of course. And you remember what you were like then too. Yeah. So I, I had some words for Kim and worked great. It was fun working with her. And by words, it was, dear Kim, don't mess up and make me look bad. <laughs> don't suck. Yeah. Don't suck. Don't yeah. Suck. Don't yep. suck. Don't suck. It's uh, sage advice that I've I've got in my own career. <laughs> if you're not winning, you're losing. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Kevin. Hey, Kevin, 10 seconds to air. No pressure. <laughs> my other favorite part of that broadcast was Al giving you crap about your playing career. He <laughs> likes to do that. Yes. He remembers. A couple of times he was like, oh, you remember this? And you're like, oh, thanks for bringing I, that up. I am one in three against UCLA. But at, I would have to look up the stats, but I'm guessing I ripped him for 20 each time. <laughs> I don't care if the team lost. I played really well. I remember the one we won. How were you ever a volleyball player? <laughs> it was it was twenty. What was it homecoming? No, it was homecoming, and we had UCLA at home at Firestone, and we destroyed them. That that felt good. 
That felt really good. I'd like to play that match again. <laughs> I'd like to beat them again. No, it, it's funny to do that. For, I, I don't know the the five people in the audience who understand, who remember that I actually played and remember that, yes, Al and I would have matched up, him as coach, me as player, that for those five people, they might get a chuckle out of it. For the rest, I don't. Who knows if they even know anything. At this point, having retired in six, early six, call it end of five, I don't think people remember that I even played volleyball. It's been nearly ten years. Correct. Well, okay, and you got out, too, right before the gold medal, too, which sucks for you. Sorry to bring that up. Yeah, three years before. <laughs> I'm forever, I'm forever linked. I'm forever linked. 100%. I called it, so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm still there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's kind of neat. But it's going to be... Do you get the proxy gold medal? But like, it's going to oh, be a hey. difference, though. Like People are going to know you as a broadcaster as opposed to a volleyball player. Yeah, it's true. And I'm also pre-YouTube era. Remember yep. a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, somebody had uploaded the Grease match, which I'd never seen on YouTube before. I have it in the house here somewhere, but I'd never seen it on YouTube. And that was the first time I've seen footage of you playing as well. You look exactly the same, except for you were way more pissed off in the match than you are most of the time here on the show. That's how I played. He's mellowed, he's mellowed with age. I don't know about that, but like, the entire team, not, like, I know I've mentioned this before, everybody had a lot more hair. <laughs> and the young guys, because all of you guys, like you, Reed, Clay, like you were younger at that point. Like, yeah. You all like had this look on your face like, I'm going to murder somebody. Yeah. Especially Kevin. Yeah, that's how I played. I played mad. Okay. That's why I like players who have a little edge to them. I like a Panina Snuka mm-hmm. from Arizona. Plays with a little edge. I liked uh, uh, Carly Wopat. She played angry. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like players with a little bit of, you know, I don't want too much smiling. I want, like, I'm going to come across that net, and if this were a contact sport, I'd be punching your lights out right now. Well, think about this. <clears throat> Carly Wopat is now playing on the same team as Logan Tom in Con, France. Yeah, but see, Carly plays intense. But if you talk to her, she's very nice. She's not that. She's not brooding. No, Logan's a little more brooding off the court. I I like Logan a lot, I, I, but it's hard to get a smile out of Logan sometimes. Uh, but I, I hope they're having a good time over there. That is team on the floor. That is team intensity right there. Uh huh. Carly and Logan. Ooh. Ooh. And Julianne Fawcett, I believe, from Texas. Also yeah, on she's a little angry, too. Mm-hmm. She's not a smiley player. Well, that's why they're winning, I'm going to guess. She's a good singer. I like listening to her sing. But, uh, yeah, that that would be a fun team to watch. I would pay to watch that, that group play. Yeah, That's a nice rough. athletic group. Rough, rough first professional job for Carly in Cannes, France. That's where they are, on the south oh. of France. Oh. oh, yeah, it's terrible. I don't know how they're going to survive that first job out over there. When's the net live going to France? <laughs> Dude, we to can't my, even get out of here. To see <laughs> my people. We're going to Oklahoma Where? City. When are, we going to, when are we going to Manhattan Beach? I don't... <laughs> I'm in. We're going to Oklahoma <laughs> City could, in a few weeks. We can host it at my apartment in Marina Del Rey. We're a couple couple miles north of here. <laughs> Your apartment where your boyfriend is? So neither Kevin nor I know his real name yeah, and is... or have met him before? Yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to yeah, doubt. Yeah, I threw it out online. It's out there now, Katie. Sorry. I'm starting to really doubt the existence. I think we have a Manti Teo You're lucky I even mentioned his existence here. in front of you, period. He's now, lucky. That you put it on the, no, you guys are. I don't normally yeah, you talk about my personal you shouldn't life. shouldn't have said anything to us if you didn't want uh, me to say it on the air. You have to say off the record now, Katie. Apparently, I'm part of the media. You have to say off the record with me. That's oh, right. And, you, and don't <laughs> don't say it to me ever. People are like, well, I don't want this to make air. I'm like, really? Because it might anyway. Fair game now. How am I going to remember that? I want to say thanks to Brian uh, Swinty, <laughs> friend of the show from, from Katie's Germany. Ne- Katie's never coming back. Oh, yeah, his picture that Armed he sent. Forces. He yeah. sent a picture. He said, I found Sean Manzi's Christmas gift in Dresden. And I wish this stuff would show up more on the page. Like, can I, or do I have to retweet it or something? Can I assign it to our page? 
unfollow, delete. I don't want to delete it. I want to put it on our page instead of way off to the side. Share it, I you can download the photo and then repost it. All right. I guess we're going to have to do that. But Can't you share it? Uh, by we, he means me. Yeah, you. Yeah, it's that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy oh, yeah. just quit the show. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> no, but I want to be able to put this on our page because he found a Fine. Nicole Davis coffee mug. Signed with her picture on it. Well, yeah, signature, picture, the whole deal in Dresden. I love it. I love it. And if that doesn't come in the mail for Sean Manzi, Brian, I know you're listening to the show. Buy it. Ship it. We will reimburse you. No problem. That's yeah. just, this is something. You know what? <laughs> forget it forget to, Sean Manzi. To get we to, need it for the it home court. For the home court, yeah. Ship two. If there are two, get two. We want a smiling Nicole Davis here in our home court. That's I just like that that means that people are listening to the show. Yeah, they're actually because paying it, attention. Yeah. Ed Chan says, looks like Capital One is ripping off your challenge, mascot challenge. Oh, I know. They, not uh, quite, though. They're not really. Not exactly the same. Because we're putting them in a fight. Well, a match. Okay. But, well, now we are. <laughs> well, but in previous years. <laughs> changing the conditions. Changing the conditions. In previous yeah. years, it was more like when you put two scorpions in a box and then shook it up and let them fight it out. Which, by the way, yes, I did down at my dad's house. We captured scorpions. <laughs> oh, my God. Fight them. <laughs> Peta is on the horn. It was fun to watch him kill grasshoppers. You put him in there with a grasshopper and watch him maul him. And then you, we also get a thing called... Isn't that like the first isn't, like, yeah. should we be Should we be concerned? Like, I'm waiting for the dead cat on the front. Yeah, if it was cats and dogs, then yes. But bugs... If I come no, over and ham and cheese are not ham and cheese anymore, we'll be a little concerned. Well, less sneezy, but more concerned. Yeah. Do you know what, uh, do you know what uh, an antlion is? Do you know what insect an antlion is? No, I do not. In the South... An antlion is a thing that actually... I assume that it's bug huge. with the two pincher thingies on the front? Yeah, it, what it does is it digs a hole. Is it the king of the insects? It actually digs a hole. It creates a, a depression, like an upside-down uh, funnel. Mm-hmm. So it's a funnel down, and an ant will come walking along. The ant will step over the edge, and of course it's made of little grains of sand. Yeah. And so the ant will start to slip and fall, and as it gets close to the bottom, it's like Rathacon. The antlion looks like the thing from Rathacon. It or comes the out the bottom. Of the Jedi. It comes out the bottom and grabs the ant and pulls it down under and eats it. Fantastic. So what you do is you find an ant lion. <laughs> you find an ant lion hole. I start the show over. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You dig out underneath. You take said ant lion and you put him in a plastic box with sand and you let him make his his cone and then you throw ants in there. It's fantastic entertainment. So you can what have is, a pet ant lion. What are you teaching your children? I'm, we don't have ant lions here. Should I, I be concerned? Did. Should I be concerned? If I was in Georgia, we would have an ant lion farm. I live in Georgia. Okay. I never saw these things. Because they live under the dirt, Katie. You got to look it up, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to post a picture, a picture of an ant lion right here. <laughs> You're posting a picture yeah. of the dirt. Right, next to the, right yeah. next to the... Dude, uh, an ant lion is a scary looking thing. Look at that. That is a scary looking insect. Well, considering my panic attack over the tiny spider that was in my house the other day, I don't think I'd want to. They're not that. that big. It looks like, like a tick, but it's 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 probably a, it's about the size of let's say a, a small beetle or a really big ant, like a like a carpenter ant kind of deal. A little bit bigger than a carpenter ant. If you know so what a carpenter ant is. How many ants does it eat at a time? One. Just one. Yeah. yeah. How many ants could a ant lion eat? Yeah. If an ant lion. See. Yeah. You're ants. learning things here, people. You're, look at oh, here's the depressions. There's pictures of the depressions. See that? <laughs> I'm so glad I showed up today. <sighs> you learned something new here. Matt Anderson can't call in soon enough. <sighs> so, anyways, it's uh, it's good to be the veteran on these broadcasts. It's interesting to be the veteran and be breaking in new people. So I had Kim Odin. Yep. Kim did great. 
Uh, we had a good time together. Every time a Stanford logo came on, Kim would Kim would say, "Go card." It was kind of funny. <laughs> and now good I get brain. another another Cardinal coming up this week. ASU Washington. I'll be there Sunday up in Seattle. My part of my Seattle doubleheader for Thanksgiving. Uh, ASU Washington. I get Don Shaw nice. for what amounts to his second match ever. I believe. Because Kim had done some stuff, I think, before. Taking before people under your ball. wing, huh? It's going to be interesting. It'll be good. That happened to me a few years ago on the AVP. I realized that I was the... Uh, the most veteran person? Once, pretty much. <laughs> but then I look back to it like... You're talking about how like when you first started out. I look back thinking about how I DJed my first year on tour. I was awful. Yeah. But I didn't know any Always better. that way. But you don't know any better. Yeah. Yeah. But I look back I, like I'm embarrassed about it now. Thinking about it. <laughs> You were playing 99 Lift Balloons? Possibly. <laughs> no, my music selection was always legit. Oh, oh your like taste I... was impeccable. Oh, come on. It was kid. your ability it's to always handle been impeccable. it, but wasn't... What was the... No, it's just, obviously you don't... Like basketball games now, I can do with my eyes closed because I've basically been around every situation. Right. So until you actually do it, like you don't know all the situations that you're going to have to come across. How, like, how hard like is in... it to play the, the one the defense chant? You know what? Here's the thing. <laughs> I make my job look really easy. That's why everybody thinks they can do it. Got to pay. Got to pay close attention. I feel. Like. I will give you all of my music. Oh boy. Here's the problem. I don't have the attention span. Can your kids get to a Clippers game without you? Is that possible? <laughs> I don't want to give you tickets now. I'm I'll telling give them you, just tickets. give me the tickets. That's fine. They'll hey, Uber. We'll Uber them. Kelly Chuckles gets all tickets now. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to leave them at will call. So good luck getting them. Do you guys <laughs> have a mascot? Do the Clippers have a mascot? What do you think a Clipper is? The ship. Yeah. You don't have That's a ship wandering around. No, mascots are stupid unless they're in college. <laughs> way, way to save yourself. You like that? I was like, I was just going to come out as I'm saying. You don't like the Phoenix gorilla? Are there gorillas in Phoenix? He's, enter- he's entertaining. Yeah, he's entertaining, but it's... Clippers have nothing. Nothing. We don't worse, need anything. Nothing is worse than the Pelicans. Really? You can't call yourself the Pelicans. Pelicans are pretty sure. funny. Yeah, but, better, than, better than... What were they named before, though? Bob? Hornets. Yeah, it made no sense, right? Well, now that they the came, Hornets are back, they so Charlotte it. took the Hornets back this year. Yeah. Well, they used to be the New Orleans Jazz, and then the right. Jazz went to Utah, and then New Orleans got a team back. Gardhoff does have a point. We have Clipper Darrell, if that helps. Yeah, but you disavowed Clipper Darrell once you got good. You kicked him out. Well, that he was, was kind of he, he's back. Though. He was kind of riding along. He sort of made a position for himself, and yeah, there were some issues there. Yeah, but I still allow him to do chants during the game. Okay. Yeah. If not, then I can dominate him because my speaker system is louder than his voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's got a nicer car. That half and half blue, half yeah, red. BMW. Yeah. Yeah. Pimp. With the Clippers logo on the roof. Yeah. Weren't they going to make him take it off? Calling it a, How can they make he, him do that? They were saying he was making money from their brand. Yeah. That was the whole thing. Same problem the Redskins are currently having. Well, that's a whole. that's a, that's a whole other... Yeah, but Clippers is not a racial slur. Nope. <laughs> no politics. Remember we got yelled at for that last week. Uh, who cares? We can talk about some politics. That was a political story. Yes. Yes. Anyways. Yeah, we've got four mascots on here. How's your pillow working out? What did Nicole Ray say about your she pillow? She loved it. Yes. <laughs> is it on the couch? It's on the futon couch in my office. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. She did right say, now. so we have like, there's a chair when you walk in that has a another pillow that friends of ours bought Nicole for her birthday. It has um, her birth sign uh-huh. written on it. And it's a nice little pillow. It fits perfectly with the chair. And so I put the Batman pillow over top of that pillow. <laughs> but it dominates it just so she could see it when she got home. 
And uh, she's like, she gave me the, we can move it. Or you can leave it there if you want. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. It was literally dominating that chair. I was like, I'll put it up in my office. It'll still stand out. Don't worry. I want to know, getting back to mascots for a second, I want to know why I find it so funny when mascots get knocked down or get in a fight or whatever. I still think it's absolutely hilarious. physical comedy is the best. Because and when they're in a mascot costume, honestly, you feel like they're not getting hurt. We have a costume. For we have a, a mascot costume now. We've we have a picture. We put a photo of it. up there yep. for the flag football team that my older son wears. <laughs> so we were playing a team this week where the younger brother of a friend of my my son's played. So the his buddy after the the coin toss where the we had my older son out there, he runs over and tackles my son who is in the Falcon <laughs> costume. <laughs> And his falcon head rolls off and rolls five yards away. And I'm laughing. Why you're, I was excited. Were you laughing? <laughs> I was laughing. I would be laughing, too. I did ask for a 15-yard penalty for mascot violence. Mascot on mascot, mascot violence. violence. Yeah. That's really well, Were you at the Final Four when it was Oregon, where the duck was dancing? It was a dance-off between Oregon and one of the best. It was Oregon and Texas, I think. I was there. I, I did not see that, maybe, or I don't remember it. It's on YouTube. See, okay. that's why they're funny. Look it up. That's why they're oh, funny in hysterical. college. Funny in college. Yeah, I witnessed stuff. that one. I was... I like when Joe Bruin walks by me at UCLA games, and I feel like Joe's looking at me, and I stick my hand out to give him a high five, and he actually doesn't see me, and he just keeps walking by. I'm like, how do I bring that back by look, still looking cool? Just kidding, everybody. There's not a lot of peripheral Nothing. vision in those things. Oh, no, for sure. You better get front and center if you're going to get Wilma's attention. Well, you just grab her. her up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she may look like she's smiling in this photo, but inside she's like, let go of me. Put me down, crazy person. Put oh, me no. down. That's a gymnast in there. Look at the toes pointed. That's a gymnast. For sure that's a, a gymnast. Because inside. she's ready for you to drop her. Yeah. She's ready at any moment to land perfectly. Yeah. It's a good-looking mascot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will take a short break here on the Net Live. We'll be right back with Matt Anderson on the other side, star outside hitter for the men's national team. Not going to stop being that. He is home, at least for the time being, from his professional season, taking a break. We'll talk to him about why here on the show. Right back.
Friday in between the Thursday match and the Saturday finals, the Thursday semifinals, you can catch us. Time to be determined, but we'll be in the main hall there having a good time and dragging in some people as we have in years past. Uh, just a note, though, Ben Budipo-Memba, not going to be on the program, will not be there. Can he... The first convention show that he has not appeared in person. Can he at least take photos of his outfit and send it to us that he, day? So that, post that should be required. So, Ben, Jeez. if you're listening, you have to do that. We want to make sure we thank... 6-8 Clothing Company as well. We met them last year up in Seattle for the Final Four. It's a new men's apparel company. They design and produce casual clothing for the tall and athletic. Man, this is 6-3 and above. Now, they're 6-8, but you know some people who are 6-3. The clothes don't fit. You want to check out 6-8clothingcompany.com. You don't have to have a shirt that's twice as wide as you need it just to have sleeves that are long enough or a body that is long enough for your body. It is a problem. A body that is long enough for your body? Yep. Okay. Bo- that's yep. actually no, no, I got you. No more do you have to roll Killing up the sleeves Sorry? on your so-called long sleeve shirt. Got my cousin who's about six foot five. He was sitting at dinner with him last week in Colorado, and I looked at him. He's got his sleeves rolled up on a nice shirt. I'm like, why do you get those sleeves rolled up? He goes, well, they're kind of short. I'm like, I got something for you. My, nice. In my bag right here. Check it out. He had trying on my 6'8 jeans. Perfect. So this next guy, our next guest actually could probably use some 6'8 clothing because he is long. This man is lean and athletic. Tall and athletic. <laughs> yeah, he could use some 6'8 clothing. I want to welcome in from the U.S. men's national team, a 2012 Olympian, one of the top outside hitters in the world, and a guy who's kind enough to give us a little bit of time here. Welcome in Matt Anderson. Matt, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, See if you can get that, Jeremy. Hey, Matt, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, where are you right now? Are you back with family back east? 
Yeah, I'm uh, back in my hometown of West Seneca, New York. All right, West Seneca, New York. Now they have Matt Anderson Day back there, don't they? Were you were you there for Matt Anderson Day? Um, I have yet to be here. Well, I was here last summer. It's uh, July 27th, but uh, July, typically July. it's a it's a national team obligation that day, so I'm with them. All right, July 27th, Matt Anderson Day. I'm putting it in my calendar yeah, now. It'll be a national holiday. We will celebrate by doing something Matt Anderson-ish. Maybe Jeremy will jump and spike a ball high <laughs> over the antenna. We might have to lower the net a little bit. Though. Easy, buddy. Hey, uh, Matt, let's let's get right to it. Tell us about uh, the last year for you. Detail for us your schedule so people have some idea of what your life has looked like for the last calendar year. All right, well, let's uh, start um, probably January one. Of uh, 2014, I was with my family here in uh, in New York for uh, for New Year's, and unfortunately, I had to fly nine o'clock in the morning back to Russia on the first. So, and I was there until May, the end of May or beginning of May. I flew home for a week, and then uh, was out in California with the national team. We did World League, which was great. We won. Um, after that, what is it? Two weeks after that, we started up the USAB Cup with Iran, um, had a great showing. A lot of fans came out for that. That was awesome. And then another two weeks, we went to World Championships. And uh, we were in Germany for a week before the World Championships. Then in Poland for that whole tournament. Um, started off pretty rough, but uh, I think towards the end, we were playing some of the best volleyball we've played um, as a team. And uh, then after that, I was in Germany for a week, waiting for my visa to go right to Russia. And I was in Russia for a little bit, about a month, five weeks. And then um, at that point in time, I decided to take a break. So I'm back home now. So, so you're in Russia for five weeks. And tell me mm-hmm. about what's going through your mind and when you start to consider leaving the team for this season. Um, well, it probably started um, probably halfway through last year, last season over there. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily my life in Russia or the team or anything. Um, it was just like personal reasons, you know, but on the road, as most national team athletes are, you're on the road for anywhere from 45 to 50 weeks out of the year, depending on your professional team competition and, uh, the national team, how well you guys do in the summer. So that going through college and through my professional seasons was adding up. It's been about almost 10 years of me traveling. And it just uh, kind of wore on my personal relationships uh, with people and with myself. I know you lost your dad a few years back, I believe 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something, part 2010, is is that yeah. something that that kind of factored in when you're thinking about what you're missing at home and missing people who are who are getting on in years? Um, for sure, it's something that's um, always present in my life now, um, unfortunately. But uh, with my travels, part of the reason why I've, I've lost touch with a lot of relationships is it's kind of an out of sight, out of mind thing. And when you get in the routines of, of competing and and never really having that break, you never really let personal issues sink in, such as losing a parent or a family member. So part of this break since I've been home has been really tough because it's really apparent that um, my father's not here anymore and you know, and all the relationships that kind of have withered away because of the fact that I'm not around. 
Interesting. So even here four years later, it's just kind of now something you're dealing with? Yeah, yeah. And it's not just that. It's a, it's a lot of things. But, yes, that's that's a major player. When you went to the team and, and said you were thinking about doing this or did you go to them and tell them you were going to do it, what was their reaction? Um, well, I have a real good relationship with the now head coach of the national team, John Spira, and we have a, a, a sports psych on staff, uh, Andrea Becker. And um, I've been talking to them for quite a while about taking a break and what I thought would be the best timing for it. And I was thinking of taking a break after this, this next summer coming up, so after World Cup, and, and waiting to sign and giving myself a couple months to, to really just recoup and recover and, and come back for the Olympic year. But um, unfortunately, things just moved a little too fast, and um, I decided to take the break. So when I approached my team, the decision was pretty much already in my head of what I wanted to do. Um, we we talked about maybe taking a break for a month or so and then coming back to finish the season. State of my affairs right now, I, would, I couldn't be sure that one month would be enough to resolve my, my problems. Yeah, we heard the word depression used in the media reports that we saw. I think some of those were coming out of your team. And, and I wondered, is is that a clinical diagnosis? Was that the way you described it? Uh, where are you at on, on that spectrum? Um, so the word depression, I believe, was thrown out there through a, a misinterpretation or mistranslation. Um, yeah. de- definitely there are moments when I feel depressed, when I'm, I'm sad and lonely. But I think everybody feels those those moments. Um, basically... It's my my self-reflection and my self-identity that I've kind of lost touch with as the person. Um, me as a volleyball player, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty intact with who I am as an athlete, but um, it's my personal relationships and my personal um, self-respect and self-identity that I'm that I'm working with right now. Was there one thing that? that catalyzed the earlier movement? You said you were thinking about waiting until after the World Cup this coming summer. Was there an event that happened that moved things up on the timeline? Um, I don't know. You know, it could have been actually the fact that we won World League. You know, it's a lot of emotional stuff goes through your brain when you when you win such a big tournament and something that we've been aspiring to win ever since 2008 again. And... Um, you know, when we won, of course, I was excited and I was happy, but it didn't affect me the way that I was expecting it to. Um, and that made me kind of question a lot of my motives and a lot of what I was doing. And uh, for that reason, you know, I looked a little bit closer and I, I realized that the issues that I'm dealing with are a little bit deeper and a little bit um, harder rooted into the soil of, of who I am, and I needed to address them. When you say it didn't affect you the way it should, describe that for me. Um, well, just that, you know, we were working hard for three and a half years, you know, to, to get to this this culmination of, of all of our efforts and stuff. And when we won, when that final point went down, you know, there's a sense of relief that you win, that you finally accomplished a goal that you've been trying to have for quite some time. But it was short-lived. It was even back in the locker room right after we won. It was okay. What's next, kind of thing. You know, it wasn't yeah. that that overall satisfaction of a relief of when you can sit and just be 
happy and joyful and smile. Yeah, it's kind of a hazard of the job where where the goal is four years away and in between there can be giant triumphs, but that's maybe in the back of your mind that that's not the goal, that 2016 is, is really the goal? Yeah, I think that's something that's always prevalent with our national team, with the U.S. team, because it just so happens that usually the fourth year of the quad, we're playing our best volleyball. And, you know, maybe that's because we're working out different issues throughout different players, teams, you know, kids coming out of college that just show up like Taylor this year, you know, he played incredibly well for his first year on the national stage. And um, I, I'm not sure exactly, but for me, ultimately my, my overall goal at this point in time is to, to bring a gold medal home for the U S in the Olympics. So maybe that does put other things on the back burner, but any athlete that steps on the floor at any point in time wants to win. And the competition factor there is what drives us and what motivates us. And that's part of the reason why I stopped is because I kind of lost that edge and I kind of lost that motivation to show up every day and to play hard. Do you think if you had won a gold medal in this year, feeling the way you were on the mental side of things, you would have reacted the same way you did to the World League victory? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think winning a gold medal at the Olympics is uh, is something that I think every athlete aspires to have, you know, especially just across the board in any sport. It's the world's biggest stage. You know, there's the Super Bowl of, of American football. There's the UEFA Cup Champions League that, you know, people hold in high regard, but the Olympics are just something on a completely different level. So I don't know. I've I've not been there yet, but, um, you know, playing in this last Olympics in 2012, every match that we won was just was so much fun. And just to be a part of it, and just to be a part of every sport that you're just walking through the village and seeing people and on their highest of highs, you know, teams that don't even have a chance to win, but are just so happy to be there and just be a part of it. It's one of the coolest experiences I've ever been a part of. So, I, I mean, to win a gold medal, I can't really com- compare it to anything, but I mean, I don't know if I would feel the same or not. Were you happy to be there in 12? Did you get some enjoyment out of that tournament? Yeah, it was, oh man, it was just so cool just to see walking down the street and seeing Kobe Bryant there with, you know, all the other basketball players and, and seeing Lolo Jones, you know, just high decorated athletes like Ryan Lochte and, and Michael Phelps and, just all these big names that you hear about the Olympics and to consider yourself part of that crew, part of that team. Cause of course they have our individual sports, but we're there for team America and team USA. And it's just, it's something that's indescribable. Matt, before we let you go, tell me about your plan to get yourself back uh, to where you need to be and where you feel like you are ready to resume your career. Oh, um, well, right now I'm in the process of, of talking with some, some counselors and some different people and, and close family members of mine and, and just trying to find out the root of a lot of these problems. There's this, this main problem I'm having of like kind of an identity. Um, but my, my goal right now is to slowly get back into the fitness part of the game and uh, pick up volleyball again maybe late January you know, early February. With the national team out here? 
Yeah, out in California. So I'll be based out of this area of Western New York with my family for for quite a few more weeks, and then I'll venture out west and get myself set up there and really start focusing back on the working out of like hard um, fitness stuff, and then eventually transferring back into the gym of playing volleyball. Well, Matt, we we appreciate you spending some time with us. We know you like to be there with your family and you're working through some stuff. Thanks for taking some time to come on the show. Can we uh, can we check back with you when you get back out here to L.A.? Oh, certainly, certainly. All right, right on. Matt Anderson, thanks right. so much. Uh, good luck. Have a happy holidays. Thank you. You guys, too. All right, Matt Anderson, U.S. men's national team. Uh, you know, so, Jeremy, some of the stuff Matt's describing, I, I get. I remember in the middle of my career, I hated to warm up. I hated warming up. Yeah. And it was only years later when I when I really loved my job again that I, I figured out what what was I doing? Why did I hate warming up? Yeah. It's a great job. Like it, I could be an office drone. Instead, I'm just warming up to play a game. But it is incredibly difficult to go back to back to back to back to back seasons in the way Matt's describing. With no break, like I don't care what you do for a living. Right. With no break, real break like that, traveling all the time, not really being around your family, whether you're a family person or not, I don't think that matters. You're not around people that really know you. Like I can't, I honestly can't imagine. Like I have one of the best jobs in the world. I get to play music for a living. But there are times where I find myself bitter at that moment for whatever reasons, but then I'm like, oh, but I'm getting paid to play music. But again, it doesn't matter what you it's do for a job. living. There's still yeah. things that you're going to go through. It doesn't matter. Well, that's how I felt actually towards the end of coaching college where I was like, I'm putting in 16 hours a day. I don't have any downtime. I'm running a program by myself. It, it gets long. Any job where you don't give yourself a break and you, you're you away from the people that you care about, like even if it's just you just don't have time to see anybody, like it just makes it so much more difficult. I uh, miss friends' weddings. Course. And yep. people's births and events, and it's just part of the the sacrifice for the job. But it gets to you when you're overseas for that long, even in today's world, which is interconnected in a way it has never been. And when I went over, we had the internet. That was a huge bonus. My father had played basketball in France in the late '60s. I could not imagine how much more challenging that would be from a standpoint of being separated from everybody and everything you know. And not the communication that we have today either. Exactly. Yeah. And now it's even better here 10 years on from my last overseas team. Yeah. Um, but it's even more improved and you can sling box stuff and you can actually watch internet TV and you can you can really more be in touch with what's happening in your home home country. Still not the same as being there in person though. No. And it, it people don't realize, people from the outside do not see the the long term effects, as Matt is alluding to, the long term effects of what it does to your identity, and that you win World League, this incredible achievement. It's amazing to win World League, and then, okay, what's next? Ten minutes later, <laughs> you know, take well, the medal off, and uh, yeah, we're gonna grind it out tomorrow in practice. Well, I think you check your phone right now, Kevin. But I think you said it before too that uh, all we see is the product on the court. You don't get to see what happens afterwards or before leading up to that. You just see them winning or having a good time on the court. Like, oh, yeah, that looks amazing. But you don't realize yeah, the, all the grind and stuff that goes into getting to that point. Training oh, oh, and practice. Absolutely. And physical therapy. It's all of the missed holidays and the birthdays. And then, you know, it adds it up, man. long. And kudos to Matt for coming on the show. He doesn't have to talk about it. He could put out a press release and then go do his thing. I would assume coming from some experience, this talking about it helps. 
Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean means you need to talk to us to help. Uh, yeah, but talking talk about to our it, audience. Talking about it helps. And my impression of Matt, you know, I've only known Matt from the outside. I never played with Matt on yeah. the team, so I don't know him the way I would know some other guys that I played with. Um, I've always been impressed with what Matt wanted to do and the way he went about it. And that didn't that didn't stop me from expressing my disappointment with Matt around 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. that he wasn't turning into the athlete that I thought he could be and should be. Yeah. But Matt, whenever I talk to him, man, he w- he's always been trying to do the right things. He's approached this professionally and trying to build his volleyball person. Mm-hmm. But I think you heard him allude to maybe losing his other person mm-hmm. to the volleyball person, to the, to the professional volleyball player in him. Um, well, and he, I think we you talk have to keep lot, that. We talk a lot about, you know, when you choose to play this or coach this, it's a lifestyle. Like you have to actually choose Yeah. That. And it becomes draining after a while. It does. Where you're just like your entire life is encompassed in what you're doing every day. Like it becomes your identity and you lose that other part of yourself. No matter, you know, anytime the job isn't a normal nine to five, when you don't get to leave your work at the end of the day, when you live it every single minute, it just becomes that much more difficult to handle because it, there is no break. Well, I'm sure this goes for coaches, players, broadcasters, DJs, anybody that owns their own business. Like it's a 24 hour thing in my head. You know, I don't – there's no time where I'm not thinking about my business right. or what I need to do. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, but there's no shutoff valve. There's no, oh, I'm not going to – people expect me to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week with my phone now. And because of the people I deal with, they're not normal nine to five hours too. In reality, it's the Jeremy Roche Corporation. For sure. It is the Kevin Barnett Corporation, the Matt Anderson Corporation. Correct. That's what it is. That's what drives – we're performers. Unless we're performing – we don't get paid. Yeah. That is correct. And you can't get to that level without letting it be all-encompassing. You're not going to be the best if you can, if you constantly shut it off. And that has been my point when people criticize athletes for not having success after they're done being athletes. Because their whole life at that point has been to be yeah. the best. I've made that point here before. Yeah. yeah. To be the best at what you do. Other things are going to take a backseat. Everything has to take a backseat. Yeah. And when you get distracted, bad stuff happens. <laughs> to your actual career. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times we criticize like a really great athlete who chooses not to play professionally, like or people that take a break from it. Okay, why would you need that? Well, you need it because sometimes you don't want it to be the only thing that ever happens in your life. Some people aren't cut out to do, to live that lifestyle. No. Some people are. And look, let's say Matt decides he doesn't want to play ever again. That's his choice. Barry Sanders. He's entitled. He's entitled to do that. Barry Sanders was at the top of his game and he left. If you're not happy, that was also because Detroit sucked. Yeah, but if, if you're if you're not happy, you're not happy. No, doesn't matter the money. Nope, doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter what what you the outward view of whether your job that you get to do for a living is fun or not. Quote, if you don't unquote. like well, no it, matter, it's not going to work out. No yeah. matter how fun, it's still a job. Like if you're again, so that if you're not winning, you're losing. If you're putting everything into it, there's going to come a point where you need. Something different. You have to to walk away for a little while, or to make a change, so that it you can go back. Even if you miss it, like I miss college coaching, but I'm really glad I have the break that I have now because I'm not sure I could keep going at the pace I was going. You know, I understand why Matt would do it. Sometimes you just need a break to make sure that you really do have the drive to keep doing that every single day. Because again, people are like, "Oh, your job is fun." Well, my job is still a job. Right. Well, and, and you have to get to the point where where your job is fun and you do enjoy it. I was fortunate enough to get back to that point 
by I went through some just rough situations with injury from 2002 to early 04. But I'll tell you what, my last eight, nine months that I played, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. I could travel. I, I'm only sad that it, it didn't continue because my knees were worn out, but that I had gotten to a point where I really enjoyed being at practice, being in the training room, being on the trips, playing the matches. And that's not always the case. It wasn't always the case for me. Correct. And it somewhat got ruined by team situations, results. My own personal problem early in my career for a long time was that I was so angry. I, inv- I invested oh, my, but my, my person, my entire person was invested in the wins and the losses. That was your self-worth. If you lost, I'm not a good person. If I, I lived that. Yeah. Now I, I would come back and rebound. Yeah. And I would play as hard the next time. Yeah. But my, my enjoyment of whatever was happening was linked to wins and losses and my perception of the situation if it was going the right direction. You have to be more process-oriented if you're really going to be happy. You have to ask yourself, are we doing the right things in practice? Are we playing to our level? Are we doing everything we should be doing to produce wins? Yeah. And whether the wins come or don't, doesn't ma- I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter to your person. Yeah. Well, that, there comes a transition time. Like, when you're doing that, there comes a point where if, there could be a whole chunk of time where you're like, Miserable if you're not winning, if you're not doing, but learning to transition from making the wins and losses be everything to making the process. That's whether or not, yeah, whether or not you're going to make it in the long term has a lot to do with can you handle that process where you have to go from the all encompassing to seeing things at a longer range. You know, I think that's what kills a lot of coaches, it kills a lot of professional athletes because when they can't make focus on winning too. Sometimes they lose sight when they're working with their athletes. They can't see the, the what the end product is going to be four years down the road or six years down the road or you know what are we gunning for rather than right now I need the wins I need the you know. You have to enjoy the journey, not just the destination. <laughs> it was brought up on the uh, message board. Some good points like things you do to give yourself a break. Like what? Let's say you go to the movies to give yourself a break from thinking about all your broadcasting stuff, like listening to Matt talk about his schedule. When was there? When was there ever a break from volleyball? Yeah, people go, oh yeah, being on an airplane, flying from one city to the next, uh, that's not a break. Oh yeah, two weeks off. Yeah, but even if you have two weeks off, you're still, you're still out, training. You're, you're... Yeah, those two weeks you're focusing on what's coming up next. But like you said, training still. Yeah, and you have just enough time to kind of reintegrate with some of the people in your life, and then you're gone again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not not easy. I remember sitting next to Tom Hoff after they won in 08. We were down at a place here in Orange County for, I think it was a Mikasa party honoring the water polo team and the men's volleyball team. I was at that party. I remember sitting next to Tom. And Tom talking about that this had been the goal. Tom and I joined the national team in the same year, in 97. Here it is 11 years later. And they win the gold medal. And he says... He says, I don't, I don't know what's, what's next. It's like we won. We accomplished this incredible goal. Yeah. But what's next? Because nothing changes about you. Still day in, day out. You just out. have this thing because you won another match. Yeah. And people, oh, the gold medal, the gold medal. You go, what do you think happens today yeah, after the gold medal? <laughs> but, but you're still just you. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. You know? Uh, it, it's kind of a funny thing. People think you're radically changed by the gold medal. They go, no, you're still the person you were the day before you won the gold medal and three weeks before that and a month before yeah. that. Uh, it, it's still the same thing. So 
I totally get that Matt is describing losing himself in the volleyball athlete and needing that person to also exist. Yeah. And that's why I think I became far better at my sport. And you hear this. I've, I've talked to supercross riders. Same Drink. thing. Drink. Those guys, those guys rarely make it into their early 30s, but there are a few of them now. Yeah. Who are in their early 30s, which means they have a wife. They have some kids. Kid or kids. Mm-hmm. Became a better player. Because that was my escape from what was really challenging in my life. Yeah. Volleyball wasn't a challenge anymore. Volleyball was like, oh, this is raising this kids. This is great to be here. Volleyball was a vacation from your kids. Why, why don't we go on a trip so <laughs> I can get some freaking sleep? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry for Arian at home, my yeah. wife. But, yeah. you know, what? yeah, let's go. Cause <laughs> Were you I'm, really sorry, though? <laughs> I want to get some rest here. Running as fast and as possible. And I'm out. <laughs> sorry, I got to go. I told you what happened. We're leaving for the 2004 games. Drive up to the terminal. Kid throw About to leave for five weeks. Got a got an eight-week old. And a two-and-a-half-year-old, or two-year-old, two-and-a-month-year-old. Didn't one throw up in the car? Reese, the older one, threw up all over himself. <laughs> took him out the car, took out the top of the, the car seat, shook it off, kind of wiped him down a little bit, put him back in the car. Arian, see you in five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else I can do. i got to go. So She still hates you for that. That, that perspective... I'm going to come to a head. Yeah, she, not that it was his fault, but she still hates you. Mm-hmm. I get that when you have that, when you have that balance, the volleyball comes easier. The volleyball is good. And we're not saying, Matt, go out and have kids. No. <laughs> it's, no. Let's just be clear. What, I, what yeah. I'm saying is, Find something else. <laughs> whatever that individual side of things is, you heard Matt say, and I believe I heard him say, what I heard him say was that he started to lose his individual, into the volleyball player because he knows who he is as a volleyball player. How old is Matt? Late 20s? Late 20s, yeah. And and you have to have that as a balance to the volleyball player. So um, good luck to Matt. We will definitely check back with him in January. How many other athletes, I'm sure we can think of them in other sports, like NBA guys, like, yeah, they're working out in the offseason and stuff like that too, but they're not playing a whole other season away. In the off season. Yeah. yeah. You know, like some of the guys are playing summer league, but those are the new guys trying to get in the league. But like even that's under your own control. Yeah, but let's but Matt, who you would put as an all star in the NBA. Right. Like he's playing year round. Right. Where LeBron James isn't quote unquote playing year round. Well, you heard Jordan back in the day and James I think too, but talking about both with the US national team in Olympic years. It's really tough come the end of that next NBA season. Well, you hear the guys now, like Blake Griffin bowed out, Kevin Durant bowed out, and some of them, like, I have little well, nagging hey. injuries. Like, I get it. Hey, tough guys in the NBA. Oh, here we go. How many years has Matt been doing that? A lot. Almost back to back to back to back to back since he left Penn State. And he Eight came, years? he left early from Penn State, right? One yeah, year early. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but so he left, I, I don't know what the years, I have to look it up. But no. if you think about it. Many years ago, seven or eight years ago. Eight, I think. Yeah, something like that. Seven or eight, yeah. Back to back to back to back for eight years. Well, and if you think about it, wasn't his first job is in Korea, so there's culture shock right out of the gates, and you're in 12 hours, 16 hours at a time difference. I mean, right out of the gates, it wasn't even an easy transition. It wasn't like he had to do Europe where you're on like, yeah, you're on like a five-hour time change. Like, okay, I can still talk to my family. I went to Belgium the first time, far easier than Korea. I lived in Belgium. Now, I'll take the Korean money for the same, (laughs) for the same season, thank you very much, like five times the cash. Yeah. That would be fine coming right out of college. But, yeah, like I said, the money doesn't matter. The situation is what you're dealing with. Of course. So well, thanks to Matt for coming on and, and talking about it. Absolutely. And having the presence of mind to know that he needed the break. I mean, that's a big, so that's actually a big step. Don't realize that yeah. then they burn out and it 
they spiral downwards and crash. It has a lot of effects that it can be intensely negative yeah. in the wrong situation, most definitely. Let's take a short break here on the Net Live. We will be back. We still have the Gabby Reese interview upcoming, College of Volleyball Weekly. Big talk in College Volleyball Weekly this oh, week. Oh, it's oh, going to yeah. be good. It's going to be good. We've got to get Jeremy back to this uh, Kevin Spacey doing impressions. So we're going to take a long break. So yeah, on the Tonight Show. Take the longest if you haven't watched, If you haven't watched Kevin Spacey doing impressions on the Tonight Show, <laughs> you need to go check it out. It is hilarious. I, I aspire to be as good as Spacey, to be as relaxed, funny, comfortable, and talented and as on Kevin point. Spacey. And Dave, wear his suit. Man, that's a good-looking suit. All right, we'll be right back on the Net Live. Jeremy? It's your theme song. What are you talking about? Uh-huh. Right, Katie? At least Kevin knew it. Yeah. Moving in the right direction here. He doesn't know the name of the band, though. <laughs> no, hell no. Not even a little. Come on. Just guess Stevie Wonder Would, every single was, time. You oh, could start giving these for it. We might used to tell everybody what we were playing. So the... Yeah, that's just me being lazy. Being lazy is what it is. <laughs> 
Like I like to say, like I'm super busy, which I am, but really, it you're take just me, like punching five seconds. Over here. Yeah, you are, but you aren't. Welcome back to the Net Live, ladies hold on, and gentlemen. Hold on, what? I'm gonna mute Katie for a second. Why? Because she said something that really bothers me. What did she just say? Aren't you just hitting buttons? Yeah, you're like a, you're like <laughs> Katie. So, you're muted. Hold Nobody on. Can hear you. Let me let me. I, I need to pull up a picture. Maybe we'll post it. And this is uh, Homer Simpson. Yeah, operating the nuclear power no, plant. Yeah, you're still muted. I'm not done with you yet. She's still, she's still saying it, Kevin. She's still saying all I do is hit buttons. I may hit the button to hit the appropriate music, Katie. But that doesn't mean I'm just hitting... Look. There's Jeremy. <laughs> oh. Right, you're back. I like the I like the one where they oh, replace him with a trained chicken. They actually have a chicken in there pecking the buttons. It's the same as Homer can do. All right, where where was I going? That's the just hitting buttons thing. You just all the power over there. Uh, thanks to Six Eight Clothing Company for their support of the show. So upset right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the crap list again. It's fine. You're not invited to Thanksgiving anymore. You know, first of all, I'm, never mind. We have our guys. Are they you have early? one of them. You have Rosenthal. Well, he told Vinny later, and then he called in earlier. Tell him to text Vinny. Rosenthal texts Vinny. He can hear you. Vinny's yeah. on the chat board. All right. Well, Vinny, <laughs> Vinny calls in. We'll get to it. I, I want to say this week I was over the travel. <laughs> I've been grinding it out here like two trips Where did you a go, week. Where did you go this week again? This week. Uh, Arizona. Uh, what I, well, that was just yesterday. I was in Salt Lake. Because I saw that. you on Wednesday. Then you flew out Thursday. I flew out Thursday morning to Salt Lake. Did a match Thursday night. By the way, 26 degrees and snowing in Salt Lake. Love it. Love it. A little taste of winter. And then did a match 8 p.m. that night. Got up the early, early the next morning, four hours sleep, and came back. Then did football Friday night till about midnight. Got up in the morning, prepped, coached my kid, ran to the airport at halftime, flew to Tucson, did a match in Tucson, flew home last night, got home about 8, 8.30. And even when I was on my trip in Tucson, I was, I was pretty well burned on the travel because I've been traveling twice a week for three weeks or so, four weeks, and the prep in between and broadcasting here in between and the show and, and so on. And it, it just gets to you after a bit. And I'm standing in the parking garage or in the rental car area because they had closed the outside rental car area in Tucson because so, it's so late. It's like midnight. Yeah. I'm inside, and I'm looking down this long hall with every rental car company in the whole place. There isn't a soul there except the one guy in front of me. Oh, and he's taking forever. <laughs> Which I come to find out, apparently he rented a car, drove the car off the premises, drove some distance, drove back, didn't like the car, parked it randomly, didn't know where, came in and came to talk to the desk person right before I got there. Bitter. Oh. My man is standing there. <laughs> they ask him where, or the woman, the one woman, not even today, there's one woman, asks him, where is the car? He goes, I don't know. I just put it in some spot. She's like, I have to go out and look at the car. Do you know the mileage? She's like, no, I don't know the mileage. So she has to leave. And now she disappears and I'm standing there. And mind you, I'm used to just walking up and like walking out. And it's midnight. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Then she comes back. <laughs> She's like, I'll be with you in a moment. I'm like, okay, I'm still cool. Outwardly, I'm still cool. Inside, I'm like, I'm dropping F-bombs. <laughs> he then, once she figures it out, he wants to talk about the different kinds of cars. Well, oh, no. is this kind of, what about this? Kind? I'm like, hey, guy, get the F out of my way. You can stand here and talk about cars till one. Get me my car. It'll take a minute and a half, and I'm leaving. <laughs> but I might just throw you over this counter right now if I'm still here in five minutes. Honestly, the desk lady probably would have loved you for that. Yeah, so. if you just would start choking Good from behind. Lord. <laughs> so finally, a- another five minutes goes by. They get him another car. Oh, 
He walks out. I calmly approach. I'm not angry with her. I calmly approach her, get my car, get a nice Tahoe. Thank you. Then you drive around. I walk out. (laughs) I walk out to my car. My man is still sitting, fiddling with the car. Like, he's got the lights on. He's backing up. He's going forward. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Has he never driven He shouldn't be allowed to rent a car. (sighs) But it, it was less a case of him doing something inappropriate and more like me just being, being kind of over the tra- I'm just kind of over the travel. And then last night we get back like if you're in the airport and you're in the terminal, do not wander down the middle of the terminal aimlessly, please. Oh, I have all kinds of rules about this. By the way, I'm there to blow through the terminal. I am in a hurry. I am leaving. I'm going directly Just out like of the this freeway. Airport. Basically, the middle, which would be the left lane of the terminal, is the fast lane. If you yeah. are stopping move or over. going slow, it's the move people to the right. that stand on the moving walkway, oh, dead in the yeah. center, drives me bananas. I will bump you if you're oh, doing Oh, I power that. right I will, through there. Pick I will up the bag bump and you. roll. Oh, I hit people. Yeah, yeah, like, hey, folks, I understand that you don't come to the airport often. Maybe you're lost. Maybe this is your second flight a year, but I fly two, three times a week. Yep. All right? Get out of the way. You're in my office. Not only are we professionals that will be doing our jobs. We're also professional travelers. I was oh, watching, that's yeah. how I look at it. Watch Up in the Air. Watch the opening scene to Up in the Air where he's flipping around the suitcase and opening things. And cl- that's Can me. I please give you a cardboard cutout of me that doesn't fit appropriately in my luggage <laughs> and have to travel around the country with that? Oh, so well, then you could take a picture with you, the mascot, and me. Let's just well, point out good. that a flat Jeremy life-size would just barely be too big for little, my carry-on. Little big, little big fat Ouch. Jeremy. Little... He doesn't get muted for that. And I... uh, Never he, mind. He trusts I'm me. the host. <laughs> Ish. All right. Let's... Is that our guys there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. We have a good time each year, week on this show, I think, right? And year. We have a good, yeah, we have a good time, time each year. year. Once a year. We've been doing College Volleyball Weekly for a number of seasons, and we give you a review of what was, a look at what will be. We're coming down to it, boys and girls. We've got two weeks of the regular season ready to go. And then it is time for Selection Sunday and playoffs. It's time for that. So with that in mind, we bring in our correspondents, Brandon Rosenthal, head coach at Lipscomb University, and Vinny Lopes, a man, all things volleyball. Gentlemen, all right. I don't even know where to start other than, let's go to Rosenthal first. You get to deal with Florida State. They lose to Duke 1-3. What's worse is they lose to North Carolina 1-3 the following day. What on earth? Florida State sucks. Yeah, you know, I watched the match. I watched the Florida State-Duke match. This is a a weekend that I told you guys to be aware of. I thought it would be uh-huh. a true test, and, uh, you know, it uh, it rang true. Florida State really looked flat uh, outside the first set in the Duke match. Just didn't really bring it, and uh, Duke hung around. And then, you know, just as volleyball, we've all seen it before, they just took the momentum and ran with it, and Duke – and. Florida State really never answered the challenge. I don't know if it was the travel or that time of year. I just expected more and uh, didn't see it from them. And, uh, yeah, untimely losses. Uh, you know, they're going to make the tournament, but, uh, you know, they're definitely going to fall. Before yeah. I – oh, Vinny, go ahead. If you have a good point, go. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say that I think that um, this weekend also showed what Brandon was saying last week, that the ACC was a deep conference. I know we were on, on the show last week talking about whether or not Washington State or an intramural squad from UCLA could win the ACC. But, you know, it's a deep conference, and they have more teams that, than Florida State that can go on out and win. You well, know, I was talking to a coach this week, actually said that 
the thing is with the ACC, some of these teams, Duke, North Carolina, they've been preparing for Florida State for three or four weeks. Yeah, they've been playing other matches, but they've been preparing for Florida State. They've been getting ready for Florida State, which actually makes it even more difficult because Florida State's opponents, or Florida State, I mean, because Florida State's opponents, they're rolling through some people in which they can play their worst match and probably still win. Yeah, I mean, I like that, but at the same time, Florida State's doing the same thing. I said it last week. It's hard to win this time of year. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's <clears throat> we can sit here and we can talk about seeds and RPIs and things like that. It's freaking hard to win. All right? And uh, can, we get in a, can we get in a plug for the Lipscomb? Uh, Lady Bears? The Lipscomb uh, Lady Bears, Lady, yeah. Lady Bears on this show. And the conference, yes? Coach Rosenthal? Yeah, the we did. No, back, not yet. Back to the, the conference tournament. Regular That's what she's saying, the yeah. conference tournament. Yes, yes. But I back to the tournament to me means back to the field of 64. You've got to win your way into that. It's not like the Pac-12 where you win the regular season and you're in. True. The AVCA sure. sponsored this segment, and they have sent us the brand-new poll just out. You wonder what happens when the number two and three teams both lose two matches because we'll get to Washington here in just a second. Stanford. The consensus number one, finally someone stopped voting for Washington. I wonder who that was. I'd have to look it up. I'm sure it's there. Uh, 60 first place votes, 26 and 0. They are in first place. Any guesses at second place, Brandon Rosenthal? It's got to be Wisconsin or Penn State. Wisconsin, second place. Texas, third. Penn State, fourth. Washington Falls, the fifth. Florida, the sixth. North Carolina, Florida State, all the way to eighth. Then ninth, Colorado Ouch. State, 10, Illinois. All right, let's talk about Washington. Vinny Lopes, they go to Colorado, not an easy place to play. Altitude sucks for volleyball. I know personally how bad it is. They go, they lose the first two sets. They have set points in both. They lose deuce. They rally and lose in the fifth to Colorado. Shocking enough, then they go to Utah. Utah. And they lose in five again, 15-13. Utah playing without outstanding freshman outside hitter, Eliza Katoa, who goes down in the match previous. Against Washington State with, with what it. appeared to be an ACL. If you're an observer of volleyball, you can't say. I know it's an ACL, but watch that highlight. She blew her ACL. That's no good. Uh, tell me about Washington and their horrible weekend. Yeah, just the you know, absolutely horrible week. They need to just blow up the program, um, you know, fire the, the entire coach staff. No, it's over. No, all, no all, all seriousness, though. You know, I think that, and this alludes to what Brandon was saying um, earlier, you know, it's tough to win in November no matter who you are, and especially, you know, when you're coming in, you know, a top-ranked team undefeated in conference play, you know, that you're going to be getting your best shot. And you're looking at Colorado teams a good team. I mean, they're going to go – they have the potential to maybe make it into the Sweet 16 this year in the NCAA tournament. And then Utah, you know, I haven't had an opportunity a little earlier this season. That's a good team that they have there. And once again, I just think it speaks to the overall depth this year in the Pac-12, which has been absolutely phenomenal. The FireJimMcLaughlin.com website picking up steam <laughs> as we speak. Well, what about USC's week? Yeah, we'll get to that. Rosenthal, any uh, any thoughts here on the Washington matchups, or is it more of the same? <clears throat> well, you know, I think what's surprising is, is look at what happened in the first two sets against Utah. So they lose to Colorado in five, and then Utah just runs them over 
in the first two sets, 14 and 16. Nice right. recovery in sets three and four, 19 and 18. But again, you've got to use that momentum. So, little surprised that uh, Washington doesn't come out with a little bit more fire in one and two. You know, especially you lose the first set. Okay, you've lost your first match. You know, two nights ago, then you lose the first set by you know 25-14. There's got to be a fire there. And uh, unfortunately, there's not, and uh, it puts them in a tough spot. They fight back finally in three and four, and uh, you know I think that's kind of the bigger tell for me is, man, <clears throat> there's got to be something there at this point in time because you know you're almost on borrowed time. When I talk about borrowed time, once you get into that tournament, <clears throat> there is no next game. Okay, it, right. it's it's that game or right. that match. Just out, Pac-12 Volleyball Players of the Week. Taylor Simpson is honored this week with the Offensive Player of the Week. Panina Snuka was Defensive Player of the Week. And Adora Anai, that's the Freshman of the Week, Adora Anai, out of Utah. Panina Snuka is, of course, out of Arizona, their sophomore setter. So congratulations to those athletes. Uh, Kelly just mentioned it, Katie, just mentioned it, that uh, USC, they lost to Stanford 3-0. No surprise there, but then... They lose to Cal, 3-2. Cal, their first Pac-12 win of the year. So tell me about USC and the year they've had, Vinny. They've been kind of like a roller coaster ride. Yeah, it's been – that's the best way to sum it up. And, you know, really, at this time of year, you know, you kind of get a picture of, you know, what this team is. You have an identity. I'm not sure that we still have figured out this identity of this USC team. As you allude to, it's been an absolute roller coaster ride for for this team, and you know, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. But this is a team, I mean, you could realistically see this being the Jekyll and Hyde team that when they, if they make the NCAA tournament, either gets upset in the first round or they make a deep run. It's just been one of those years for McHaley, yeah. Well, don't they still have the Oregon road swing? Their last ten matches could look yeah. brutal, depending oh, yeah. on how. I mean, that's not going to look great to the committee if they, I mean, they lose to Cal in their last ten matches and... If they can't, yeah, it, it, it's a devastating way. loss. Yeah. BYU beats San Diego 3-1, and they match up atop the. I don't know who's atop the WCC this week, but definitely atop the WCC for the last couple of years. Well, and Santa Clara was right up there, and they lost to somebody in the bottom of the conference this week as well. Pepperdine. Yeah, Pe- Pepperdine, <laughs> and then um, not to also forget Santa Clara also lost to Loyola Marymount and. Yeah, you kind of look at those two losses right now. You know, San Clara was kind of on that at-large bubble area. Yeah, yeah it'll bu- be real interesting to see when the RPI comes out right now to see how far the drop is. They may now be out of that conversation with those two losses. Yeah, Katie, you talked about. Katie, you talked about USC. Uh, you look at the remaining schedule. All four matches are on the road: Oregon State, Oregon, Arizona. Who's again fighting not for their lives, but. You know, to stay in the uh, picture as far as seeding, and then the rivalry match UCLA. So, uh, I mean, if if they drop five matches, six matches in their last ten, that's a that's a tough way to go towards the end of that season. Yeah, that's that secondary yeah. criteria. Last ten matches. Don't forget, uh, they lost at- to Utah as well. Utah. Looking at Colorado, here's here's something interesting to me as far as the depth of the Pac-12 and whether we'll see 10 teams from the Pac-12 this year, which Utah's really making the case for right now. Yeah, but Colorado defeats number two Washington, right? 
Beats number two, Washington. What do they do in their very next match? Go five with Washington State. Go five with Washington State, who has one win in the conference. And Washington State and Cal have both taken teams to five in addition to their one win. So this, this to me, speaks to the depth of the Pac-12 this season. I think the Pac-12 is a different conference than it's been in years past. Guys, do you think that Pac-12 is something, something different than it has ever been? Yeah, the Pac-12 is the best conference, uh, yeah. you know, in the nation, top to bottom. You know, I think in the years past, Big Ten has really uh, kind of flexed their muscles uh, with that. I think, uh, you know, the likes of the Purdue's and Michigan and Michigan State this year where, you know, traditional powers in the Big Ten and kind of struggling a little, little bit to figure out what's going on with them. You know, Pac-12 is it. I mean, we can end that conversation. Thank you. I'm glad it's over. Done. I'll just hang on. <laughs> Check it off your list. <laughs> All right. Arizona rises in the stats by one or in the rankings. Arizona State is falling a bit. They're down to number 22 from number 19. They lost to Oregon State and lost to Oregon, both in five. Tough ones for ASU. I will get them this week against Washington up in Seattle. Uh, that should be entertaining. We'll see what Arizona State can do and see if Washington can have a better week yeah. than they had. By the way, just throwing the random shout-out to the Big Ten, Maryland took a set off of Nebraska. Just doesn't yesterday. matter. Yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> you got to win matches. No, no, no. Quit talking about this. It, it, it's just it's the same conversation that you just were talking about with Washington State and Colorado. Colorado won the match, right? Let's move on. Okay, they won the match. This time of year, it's hard to win. Maryland, I, they're going to be better over the next couple of years. I like what Steve's doing, but no, let's go. Right, and, and of course, it's important to remember it's win loss when you're talking about the NCAA tournament committee selection pro, or selection criteria. They're not taking into account whether it was a three-game sweep or a five-game victory. It, the only thing that matters is that you get the W. All right, well, speaking of getting a W and maybe a little revenge, Texas, who is 20-1 and 12-1 and and in the Big 12, went and defeated Oklahoma 3-2 after stomping West Virginia 3-0. So Texas avenges that earlier loss. Uh, Texas is not really going to get challenged until the tournament, are they? Uh, yeah, they play Florida. They still have Florida to go? Yeah, they play they play Florida on the 29th, so that's that Saturday before uh, the selection. Again, <clears throat> both teams are that's in the tournament, so match. yeah, it is interesting. I've seen this before. Yeah. All right, all right, guys, let's look forward. What are we looking for next week, Vinny? Okay, well, for me, I'm looking at right now, we have the start of conference tournament play, so I'm going to hit on a couple of them. There's a bunch going on. First and foremost, Friday night, we have a championship match to decide the Ivy League title. We have um, Yale and Harvard both going at it. They finished tied in the regular season, so there's a one-game playoff to decide the winner. Harvard defeated Yale twice in the regular season, so that's going to be a really interesting match. I think that's a one, that's obviously going to be a one big lead, so you're going to get the field out there then. Jumping down to the Atlantic Sun. Right now, I'm going to say this. If you are a fan, if you are a fan of a team that's on the bubble, you're going to want to go to LipscombSports.com, buy yourself a Lipscomb banner, a pennant, a T-shirt, everything, because you are cheering like no other right now for Brandon Rosenthal's team to win the conference tournament so they potentially don't become an at-large bid. 
So you want for them to root for them. The team that potentially could give them a big threat is going to be Florida Gulf Coast. I think that, you know, I was able to see them play earlier this season. Two good teams. I think that could be a fun potential championship match. Then also sticking out in the Midwest, we have the Mid-American Conference. Similar situation right now, Ohio State, if they were, or excuse me, Ohio, right now about 40 in the RPI. If they were to lose, they potentially could get an at-large bid. So right now they won the regular season championship in that conference, but they're going to have potentially a very difficult road, even though it's on their home court potential in the semifinals. They could play Ball State. Ball State team coached by Steve Shondell. Always dangerous when you're playing a Shondell coach team in a, in a tournament situation. And then if they were to win there, potentially they're meeting Northern Illinois in the championship match. That could potentially be a good game. So real interesting to see what happens in Athens, Ohio going down. And then also the Summit League, really interesting scenario here right now. You have Denver and IUPUI. They have both been really good. But the Dark Horse Surprise team, I think if there's a team that potentially only have a 500 record and getting from the mid-majors, I think it could be IPFW in the Summit League. They're number 60, but they have an absolute standout player, and Emily Spencer is among the national leaders and kills per game average, has been set to almost 1,500 times so far this season. I got to cover her a couple years ago. She is a good player. She could potentially carry that team if they get on a run, potentially pull some upsets in that tournament. And then finally, the other conference tournament to keep an eye on, or two more, excuse me, keep an eye on, the Conference USA tournament. There, you're potentially going to see, I think, a championship match between UTSA and then Western Kentucky. And kind of similar with this one, Western Kentucky is right now in the 40s in the RPI. So if they were to lose, they potentially could get an at-large where UTSA, they're right now in the 70s, so they're going to have to win out to get a shot in, the, in that NCAA tournament field. And then finally, the other one to keep an eye on this week is going to be the NEC. Traditionally, this is kind of in the conference with the right to play Penn State in the first round. But LIU Brooklyn went undefeated in the regular season, got the right to host. They actually have the nation's longest conference winning streak of any team in the nation right now at 46 matches. So they're going to look to try to win those two two matches and clinch a bit. So those are kind of all the conference tournaments I'm keeping an eye on. Longest conference winning streak for the fighting Kyle Robinsons there at LIU Brooklyn. Rosenthal, anything left? I mean, I know you're one watching match. a FGCU Lipscomb potential matchup. That's right. One match, Wednesday, Illinois at Wisconsin. I think this is uh, be an interesting match. I think Illinois has been playing much better as of late. Uh, Wisconsin is the real deal. Uh, I think we've covered that. I think this will be an interesting one. Um <clears throat> The other thing I want to note here, I talked about it last week, watch Penn State scores. Uh, Both wins this weekend, again, neither, you know, against Iowa, not a powerhouse, 14-12-21. They turn around and go up against Minnesota, 20-12-23. Penn State, watch their scores. Will do. All right. Very good, gentlemen. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks, All right, guys. we will talk to you. See you, Vinny Lopes, Bye. Brandon Rosenthal, checking out here on College Volleyball Weekly. Thanks to the ABCA for their support of that section of the program. It'll be another interesting week, boys and girls. I have some breaking news for you before we go to our Gabby Reese interview. Uh-huh. Um, per Instagram from Emily Day, 
her and Summer Ross will not be playing together next year. Hmm. Heard such news from Emily herself a couple weeks ago. Yep. I asked, who are you going to play with? Not with Summer. <laughs> that was the answer. So you're so you're saying there's not a chance. Yeah, there's no, there will be no, that was no kind sequel of the, to that one. Or, kind of the vibe everybody got. And yeah. It'll be, interesting, I, it'll be interesting, interesting to see where both land. Correct. Correct. I threw a, Heard some rumors. I threw a Nicole Brana out there. The answer was maybe doesn't want to play international. Yeah. Maybe sure. he doesn't want to be on that. Well, and while we're still on the college volleyball stuff, sorry, with a jump there, give a shout out to... It's volleyball, Kitty. It matters. D2 championships are starting with Concordia St. Paul going after their eighth consecutive national championship. Uh, but I believe oh, yeah. they did not finish first this year, even in their conference. Minnesota Duluth, I believe, took number one. So they should have some tough sledding heading. My brother's team, West, West Texas A&M, hosting the first round down in Texas yeah. and Amarillo. There. So we'll see how they do. They nearly made the Final Four last year. Maybe they did make it, and they lost to BYU-Hawaii. Yeah. BYU-Hawaii BYU knocked the them out finals. in the semis. Yeah. So. And then D3, we are down to the Elite Eight Regional Championships. Uh, Still in the hunt are perennial uh, competitors Hope and Calvin, uh, along with, I believe, Emory and Washington played yesterday, and I did not see the result of that one, but there's a lot of familiar faces. What about, uh, I saw an Elite Eight Championship trophy with Kurt Vlasic up at... Uh, That would be Claremont Mudd. Claremont McKenna, so they won. Oh, get it right. Claremont Mudscripts. You got three Mud of the scripts? Claremont. Yes, it's the three Claremont colleges. Three of them are together, Claremont Mud and Scripps. And then Pomona Pitzer is its own athletic department <laughs> as well. Oh, so Jesus. there's five schools, one campus, two different athletic departments. Oh, how that works. But yes, they won. Uh, and they are, I think they believe, Colorado College going in. Congratulations to my college teammate, Kurt Vlasic. Trinity of Texas, I believe, knocked off the favorite for the West, which was Cal Lutheran, who had uh, Michelle Lawrence, the transfer from Colorado State as their top outside hitter, so that was a big upset there. So what's uh, Cal Lutheran saying today? God wasn't on our side? I don't know what the Lutherans believe about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't ask that question. Well, there probably wasn't any dancing, that's for sure. Oh, wait, that's Southern Baptist. <laughs> God has a plan, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you lose, God has a plan for you. If you win, it's God's glory, and he decided that you would win. Yeah, yeah. Makes yeah. Perfect smart, sense. smart thinking. Good backward, way to back into it. Yeah. Yeah, really good stuff there. All right, uh, Gabby Reese? Oh, yeah. It's time. I mean, we've teased it long enough, right? Hey, the first half of our interview, because the interview would not fit into this show, the full interview. Right. So we're going to use it to our advantage and tease it for multiple episodes. This is last Wednesday. Correct. Out on the patio, so you might hear some airplanes and dogs. There was one plane that went over at one point. Yeah, it was pretty really loud. loud. <laughs> it was pretty loud. <laughs> so that is the one drawback to being out on the, the patio, the outdoor version of the Net Live. But uh, we had a great time, fun time, sitting down with Gabby, talking to her about back then, about today, and about what's in the future for her and Laird. And we had a blast. Uh, by the way, giant fail, so don't look on the Facebook page for it. Oh, man. Not a single photo taken. Nicole was so mad. How did that happen? <laughs> I, it was, you uh, two are photo happy at everything uh, else. No, 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 no. I, Jeremy hold on, is this, not photo happy. This is on Come Jeremy on. because... Oh, really? Because I'm the tech guy. I'm you the tech guy. Let me explain. And the photo guy. Let me explain. It has oh nothing to do with being the tech guy. This is on <laughs> Jeremy. Yeah. This is on Jeremy because when Gabby Reese walked through that door, 17-year-old me That's took true. over 40-year-old me. And 17-year-old me is not going to remember to take a picture. <laughs> one of us remained calm. The other one was like a little schoolboy. Yeah. So not my fault. 
Jeremy, why didn't you take any pictures? Uh, it was a major fail. Oh, God, I was so mad. We, like, we so realized major, it when she left, like, five minutes later. So major, you're going to have to call Jen Meredith uh, and let Gabby know we're going to stalk her on the beach one day and just be like, we just, we're going to randomly come over to you in Malibu and take a photo. That's all uh, we need. We don't even need to God. speak. We just need to stand there so Kevin and Jeremy can take the photo. So, first of all, thank you to Jen Meredith Castillo for making it happen. Thank you very much for being here. Gabby Reese, thank you for graciously Nicole giving us so an hour. It was, <laughs> it was great. Here's the first half of it here on the net live. Uh, somebody who is an act, a model, volleyball player, TV personality, incredible all-around individual when it comes to the world of Mother, volleyball. Mother, athlete, icon, author. That's what I had on my sheet. Yep. I don't have it in front of me. I got you. All right, Gabby Reese. Model, writer, icon, corporate spokeswoman, all those accurate? And, uh, you know, 17-year-old me is very excited <laughs> about this interview. Oh, God. Gabby, I met you actually when yeah. I was 17. Now got to go in the player's tent. She's taking her headset off and leaving now, Kevin. I think what you're uncomfortable. You, welcome, Gabrielle Reese. Thank you. To the Net Live. You can, you can call me Gabby if you want. Gabby, great. Um, so you're 44? Now? Yeah, mm-hmm. by the time, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. for a little, a few more months. <laughs> okay, so I'm 40, but I, we're only four years apart, but I feel like we're worlds apart as far as my participation in the sport because I came to the sport, that summer when I met you actually was when I had first had some interest in the sport. Okay. Maybe it's summer of 92, something like that. That's right when I turned pro. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you're you're a big deal. The four women's going on, the two mm-hmm. women's going on, and, and they, I think I was down at a Manhattan Beach Open event. And I had just started playing in, like, April or something. They moved to California in June. And so uh-huh. uh, you're very much a part of that. I was like, whoa, look at all the pro players. Yeah. And, you know, I'm down at Marine Street thinking I could get a game with thinking somebody. you can play beach and you can't. No, no. My, I didn't have the right shorts even, Jeremy. You were wearing socks and shoes? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kevin's an indoor player and Knee we pads. make fun of him all the time. Well, it's, listen, and it's a very different transition mm-hmm. to, to doubles. That's, that's why I always loved fours. I always said it would be a great feeder system for the great indoor players to get a few years under their belt and then push them to the doubles if that's what they wanted. So, yeah, the four-woman tour for which in volleyball circles you're the most famous, Mm -hmm. probably, right? That goes on from 92 to 97. Yeah. And then the tour dies in 97. It did. Uh, A lot of people owed money. You still owed money? I don't think I was owed money. We always, used to, we always used to joke about that. <laughs> yeah. I was a captain of a, of a team, uh, you know, for several years, and I would get sponsors, you know, I'd get Nike to throw in money and stuff, so yeah. I could pay the coach. Gary Sato was my coach and pay him and, and and uh, you know, take my team to dinner and stuff like that. And so it was always a running joke when I broke even after a season. Ah, <laughs> okay. So the sport hasn't changed, really, is what you're saying. <laughs> but, you know, the great thing about fours was they paid all your expenses, all mm-hmm. the athletes, mm-hmm. everything was covered. So they, you were never out money. Not like two women now or two men now. You, There's no risk. You take a risk. They send you your plane ticket. They take care of your hotel. They give you per diem. So it was really up to you about the prize money. Was it kind of one of the best deals ever as far as volleyball went? I always heard good things about the tour as far as being a uh, player on it, yeah. having it be fun and you know, low pressure say, and stuff. Four person, you know, Anheuser Busch was was our sponsor, and um, CE Sports, Craig Ellis, those guys put it on. And I have to say that um, not only was the game a lot of fun, like really fun, because there's something for me, and that's always been about volleyball, is being on a team. Mm-hmm. And I I always say doubles is more like two individual athletes playing together, where when you play fours, you're really on a team. You know, you're running a fast offense, and um, you know you're on the other teams. So I think. For me, there was something really, really fun about it. But yet, you were playing beach volleyball, so it was it was kind of the best 
again, this is a six foot three middle blocker talking, right? <laughs> um, the best of the both of both worlds, you know. I only had to pass the short ball, and that was about it. So. it was and, and it was a good era for beach volleyball as well. It was a big deal. It was on ESPN Thursday night. You know, it was on the tail of the, you know, of uh, Randy and Sinjin. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys were the first ones. You know, Karch and those guys did it indoors. You know, brought some attention, and and then the women's team was very good, Flo Hyman and and th- that group, and then um, Randy and, and Karch, I, I thought, got to utilize the momentum from the group before them, mm-hmm. and so we were on the on the middle of that, and it was a, and it was a great time, and and um, and I really thought that that was going to be the beginning of something that was going to be much bigger so that when I retired, I thought the players behind me would really have a great platform to play on. I think a lot of people felt like that, and it's actually something we've talked about on the show before is kind of that generation where everything seemed possible, and you had this many dates on NBC, and right. Karch and Kent were a big deal, and the four-woman was going, right. the four-man was going, all that stuff was happening. And then we we kind of look back and go, well, what did that generation leave behind? And we yeah. actually had a discussion saying, is it their fault that they contribute to that not being something more? Right. Or is it just the way that it happened to go in the way sports went? Because we've seen a lot of the money go from volleyball and other sports in that time mm-hmm. period to extreme sports. Sure. Well, so, And you were a part of some of that extreme sport transition as well. Well, you mean if I married somebody from that side? <laughs> no, I mean MTV extremists and the extremists and MTV divorce. And, right? yeah. yeah, that's true, though. It's true. I, you know, for me, I always... Used to, I joke that I took these other jobs to support my habit of playing volleyball. I spent 85% of my time training to compete, and but really what I did with the other 15% of my time got me all the attention and made me my living. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, simultaneously, you have alternative sports becoming very popular with popular athletes, with you know it being owned by ESPN, which then is bought by ABC. So you have that support because really... In this day and age, you need to have that kind of media partner of some sort. Yeah. That's the, that's the number one thing. And the thing with doubles when they were on NBC is the ABP used to buy those hours. So in some ways, it was a great deal for NBC and maybe not a great deal for the organization. So I think there was just a lot of different things that went on. I think um, there was never room for more than one tour. Mm-hmm. It's like football. They can't even do indoor football in the NFL. Correct. And that's a huge sport with a lot of money. So volleyball needed, you know, my hope was years and years ago, I remember playing at UCLA at the World Championships, that we would consolidate all volleyball, men's and women's, and at the time, uh, fours and doubles. Mm -hmm. Because I thought, I did think fours would be important for doubles because it's very hard to be good at doubles, and you have so many talented players coming from indoor, and how do you get them not to play in Turkey but to come and play on the beach right? and continue continue that legacy and kind of use it as a farming system to get that talent and groom that talent? I mean, Elaine Youngs came from fours, and uh, Nettie and Jenny came from fours. There's a lot of players that, you know, that that was shown that That it bridge actually worked. It worked well, right, if that's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. I thought fours was very TV-friendly. You know, the people, even if they weren't a volleyball fan, you could sort of understand it. So in 94, there was a small moment when volleyball was kind of, everybody was sort of open, and I was hoping that we would consolidate. I mean, I went to to uh, Switzerland and met with Ruben Acosta, and I tried to convince Nike to, you know, buy the tours, if you will. But there was just some, you know, was it bad timing or conflict of interest? 
Um, Nike was kind of dipping their toe in, too, because they sponsored the national team, the women's side, anyway, in 97. Right. Uh, you know, coming out of that 96 game. Sure. So they were in, and then four years later, they were completely out. Yeah, I think, you know, listen, these guys, they just look at their bottom line, and they're mm-hmm. looking for their return. And so they sort of go, well, where's the return? How many impressions are made? Where is it being shown on TV? And so I think, um, you know, if they had been vested maybe in one of the top athletes, like a Misty or a Carey in a big way, uh, maybe that would have been helpful. Uh, but, you know, for me, I don't want to say it's disappointing, but I sort of thought it was like you had a few elements going. You had, you know, like I said, Randy and Sinjin. Then you had the Olympics and Karch and Kent and continued to have Karch. And I played, and hopefully I helped in some way. And then you had Misty and Carey, which has, a, you know, the that kind of domination we'll probably never see in the sport, and yet nobody really knows about it. And it's not that I'm going to liken it to, you know, um, you know Lance Armstrong, but it's in our sport it's not so dissimilar as far as like the amount they won. The amount of attention that they've they've soaked up. Well, that the they could that they've have garnered, but, but that the the leagues could have somehow figured a way to make that um, contribute to the popularity of the sport. And I just felt like it wasn't maximized as much. Um, and then you have, you know, people come in, they buy the tour for a year, and they go, oh, I don't know if I'm going to run right. this business, and they're out. And then the next one comes in, they go, we're going to do this. But um, I had some theories about volleyball. I think in the Olympics it's so popular because it feels important, right? Something's yeah. on the line. Yeah. Um, and somehow in all of the storytelling, we've not only not not gotten to know the athletes, so we're not vested in them, but we've also, we don't know what's on the line, and so we, I think tennis does a great job. You know, you have these sort of very monumental, you know, French Open, Roland Garros, and then the British Open and, and the U.S. Open and such. And we haven't been able to establish our sort of three or four monumental events throughout the year. Right. We don't have pillars upon which the rest can kind yeah. of rest. So you know, I think the, Manhattan Beach is really the only one. Yeah, but that's only to Manhattan yeah. Beach. You know, exactly. like for the, for the yeah. fan, they sort of want to know that this is really important. Yeah. And if I go to work tomorrow and I know just something about it and someone asks me, it's a conversation. You know, nobody cared at all about the Tour de France. And then Lance comes along and somehow for the non-cycling fan, yep. they know a little something about it. You know, That's the power of storytelling right there. I mean, right. The, the whole cancer story and the comeback yes. and the domination and everything. It yeah. even took, it took him winning probably three for for the broad-based yes. public to pay attention. Yes. That's, a, that's amazing by itself. It's yeah. ridiculous. Well, and I think, too, you have another another side of it, which is, you know, the mainstream person who doesn't know anything about volleyball, how do you make them care? And how do you make them understand that culturally this seems like an event? Mm-hmm. Never mind, really, if they that care or not. Yeah. Like, oh, you should know about this. So I felt that that was always a challenge that nobody – I used to joke and say the players should take their sunglasses off and, to, you know, take their visors off so we could get a real look at them and just in communication and connect with them. Um, so I you're a big fan of Phil and Todd. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but you know, Sorry. no, but you know what I mean. And then the other thing I, I thought that was a little bit tricky was sometimes beach volleyball gets portrayed as a as a party, which I understand. It's mm-hmm. beautiful out. We're in bathing suits. It's sunny. It's sandy. There's loud music. So even at the Olympics, you would hear people say things like, "It was the most fun event to go to," sure. which is great, but it it doesn't lend itself to realizing or recognizing how much work goes into the sport to be good at the sport at that level and that it's a very serious sport. 
so in some ways, the one part that is the thing that um, is an asset to the sport, that it's sexy, is the thing, though, that sometimes makes it feel like, hey, dude, you know, like we're, it's like a party on the beach. Yeah, it gets a, the lifestyle component cheapens the whole a thing. A little bit. Perhaps. You know, and maybe even see that in surfing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so where, where people can't, like, they're sort of like, look at them, they're sandy and sweaty and, like, is that, what are they doing, you know? And and um, and because you you have people only playing volleyball, you know, beach volleyball in Florida or, you know, California and stuff, they're not an informed group, so they don't have a full understanding of how difficult it is that, what they're doing. A lot of people think the sport's easy to play. Yeah, and it just yeah. looks like cool. Yeah. You know, and so for me, I thought, I wish there was a way that we could have captured, kept that, because that is what's one of its, uh, you know, strengths, but also communicate the commitment that these athletes make, the sacrifices, the amount of work, and how gifted they are, and and talk about that. Let me take you back to when you started playing the sport. Why Why start playing? Beach volleyball? At, no, at volleyball at all, because you went to Florida State University. Right. You had some good years there. You oh, yeah. put off some modeling opportunities to continue playing volleyball. Mm-hmm. And how did you even get into the sport of volleyball? I mean, obviously height helps. People start asking you, what do you do with yeah, the right. height, right? It's mm-hmm. always basketball or volleyball. Right. That's the question we all get. But tell me about that process of coming into the sport and deciding that, yeah, this is something I want to pursue, even to the collegiate level, forget what happened later. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I, I grew up in the, in the Caribbean, in the Virgin mm-hmm. Islands, and so I, di- I dabbled a tiny bit. Like, I was six feet at 12, and so I, I, I did a little bit there, but nothing serious. And then I moved my junior year to Florida, and I went to a very, very small little Christian school. And so anyone who had any athletic talent was already out of there by, like, their sophomore year to get attention to go to a bigger school. Yeah. So I show up my junior year. I'm six foot three. I'm 15. And they were like, yeah, cool. You're going to play volleyball. And I, and I played <laughs> basketball. And actually, I was better in basketball because I had a good coach. Okay. You know, that's at those times when yep. your coach has more to do with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, I enjoyed it. And then I played my senior year, both sports. I went, you know, went to States my junior year. And I went to a BC camp, which is a, those blue chip camps for basketball. My, my uh, Going into my senior year, I was invited to one. And after about four or five days of that, these were all the girls. This was the southeast, so it was like Georgia, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi. There's like, some big, tough women playing listen, basketball. Listen, after five days of this, I was like, oh, yeah, I I don't know. I think I, I like the net. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's rugged. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were girls, I don't know if you guys know this, there they were girls from Louisiana that still had played six-on-six six basketball, which means three girls stand on half, half one half of the court. The other really? Half, the three at on that era? Side, well, this wow. is at the end of it. They, okay. they were still coming. Because I was like, why does that girl have knee pads on? Well, because she was only a defensive player. So, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Try when you rebound a ball against a girl like that and she throws you on the floor. <laughs> because she and you're not job. wearing knee pads. It's never it never occurs to her to try to score points. Yeah, she doesn't care. It only that. occurs to her to destroy you and get the ball. It sounds like slam ball or oh, something. Yeah. They have guys so that can't cross the line. Radical, right? Yeah. So anyway, so I, I decided then and I joke I got, you know, forty offers for basketball and like five for volleyball. I was a sleeper, you know. Yeah. I played maybe two or three club tournaments with a great group, the D'Agostinos out of Tampa, and um, I got you know a few offers. And one of them was at Florida for Florida State. I had a maybe an eight-hour recruiting trip. I think I signed in June before, before the August. August. <laughs> oh my goodness! Because a good friend of mine had become actually academically ineligible, so Cecil Renaud had a one one. Um, scholarship sitting there. Mm-hmm. 
And the way she kind of, I went to Clemson and I went to University of Tampa where I was going to play both. And um, the way she, and South Florida, and the way she pitched it to me was like, hey, you know, we have a lot to offer you and I don't know why you wouldn't want to come here. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, well, all right, thanks. So I went to Florida State and I, I that's where I learned how to play volleyball. From Cecile, that's fun. Yeah. I, I, I co-MC a bunch of stuff with Cecile now, so I yeah. run into Is her all the time. Is there a funnier person than Cecile? Oh, she's hilarious. She's hilarious, and she's a very good public speaker. So Cecile taught me a great deal about, you know, personal accountability, and and um, she just was a great mentor. So, But I was doing both by then. So after my freshman year, I went and started working that summer okay. in New York. Okay, in New York. Mm-hmm. And so after my sophomore year competing and being on scholarship, I gave up my scholarship. So, and so I paid to play at that point. Okay. Because the NCAA's, uh, we were going to tournaments, and other teams would be complaining. Because by then I was working decent amount, and I would, you know, so they were like, "Oh, she's using her athletics to make money." And so. But you weren't ineligible. You just had to give up your scholarship at that point. Yeah, because you're not. If you're on scholarship, it's illegal to make money if they think you're somehow using your sport, which I wasn't. I okay. was in New York. Well, right. Taking pictures. Jeremy Bloom tried to make this point with uh, Colorado years later, but that didn't work for him either. Yeah. It might work in today's environment. <laughs> it would have worked for me then. I just didn't want the hassle. Yeah. And it worked out fine. And I, my, it was worth it. And, and that scholarship went back to the woman who I got the scholarship from. So she came back. Oh. So, yeah. Good. So it all kind of really – and she's still a very dear friend of mine, so it kind of really worked out. And um, so I, I paid to play, and after I was living between New York and Tallahassee, and and um, and then after I moved to Miami, I thought I was just going to work, but I I was a little bit um, not not depressed about that, but the idea of just doing fashion for me wasn't really inspiring. For mm-hmm. me, that was a job that I I took uh, because it was a great opportunity, and so I played a little bit on the beach. I picked up the beach game I'd never played on the beach. I was about twenty twenty one. And after about a year, a friend of mine, a little bit older woman, said, you know, you should move to California and just go play volleyball. She's like, you're big, you're athletic, you can do it. And so I moved. So why not? Yeah, it was really – and Dan Vermolovich was a, a friend of mine. Yeah. So he helped me, like, meet people and whatever. And then literally, I think maybe six weeks from moving to California, the four-person started, and I got drafted. I was first choice in the draft. So I got so lucky. Wow. Because my first WPVA event, I played against uh, Jackie Silva. Oh, that's a good way to start. In Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. You were probably getting a lot of cheers from the crowd, right? They were, in Puerto- they were behind you. Well, that's you. where I'm from. <laughs> I'm from down there. They should have, but never mind. But no. <laughs> I, could hit the ball, I could hit the ball as hard as I wanted at Jackie Silva, and she would just kind of, you know, grab it and be like, you know. Never mind. Listen. Jump setting on the beach and whatever. <laughs> I mean, Listen, kid. <laughs> no, seriously. I think Nina Matthews waxed me pretty good with Lane uh, Roquet at the, or Elaine. Yeah, at that time. It was it was great. It was like a one-two punch out. <laughs> so it's your first memory yeah. of beach volleyball is playing yeah. against those folks. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. seriously. And they just look at you like, you know, the bigger the better, the harder <laughs> the fall. Oh, you know Nina loves that for sure. Nina, Nina would do that. Just stick it, stick the oh, knife yeah. in, and then twist it. And she's like, "And remember this for all time. Every time you see me, I want you to feel nervous." <laughs> <laughs> and so did that work? I know Nina very well now. <laughs> and she's actually, she actually coached me a little bit years later. But oh yeah, I mean she's a fierce competitor. I like it. You know, one of the things about volleyball, we we talked about basketball versus volleyball, and the body type of women who are doing both or doing one or the other. Yeah. Um, and the modeling aspect of thing, Elena Bergsma has done some Miss America stuff and mm-hmm. she of course is player of the year in 2012. But how did you get into the modeling world in addition to playing volleyball? How did that opportunity arise? 
Well, I was actually someone approached me when I was 15. I was a junior, and my mother, you know, sort of said, let's finish high school. And um, so I think, you know, if I was if I was 18 today, I don't think it would have worked out as well for me because the girls are much smaller. But in my day, um, there was a few very, very successful models that were huge, physically very big very girls. Very tall and not rail thin? No. Yeah. And so there were some very important photographers that were in love with them and used them quite mm. a bit. So when I showed up, they u- utilized me quite a bit. And, I, you know, my athletics actually was the asset for me because I didn't fit really into any of the clothes. So it was always about using my physicality for the for the photos hmm. um, more than, oh, that, that Chanel dress looks really good on you. So you're maybe a fit model before fit models existed or that, that designation existed. Well, a version. You see a bunch of them now. Well, fit models are a, a notch above where I was. Okay. Right? Because I think if you're training just to look fit um, and eating just to look fit, you have a different body type. But when you're training to have for athletic performance, um, the, the uh, focus isn't so much on, you know, how every muscle and vein and body fat, it's a little different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a – it was a, no, because I did high fashion. I mean, I was in, you know, all the Condé Nast publications. So it was with high fashion people. And L and so on, yeah. Yeah, and Vogue's and Harper's Bazaar and all that. But it was more of, you know, okay, we'll get Gabby. She'll, you know, jump across that a thousand times and hang off of this and pull that. And, you know, it's an kinda, opportunity for them to do something they couldn't with other people. Yeah, or that just that it was sort of very dramatic, you yeah. know. And so that really worked in my favor. I created a little space for myself. But there was, of course, a limitation because I'm not versatile. So a lot of the big models at that time, Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington, Naomi, Claudia Schiffer, all these girls, they were very versatile. They could be, you know, no makeup, makeup. They could fit into everything. Mm-hmm. Remember, I didn't fit into any of the, the running jokes about, like, cinching my clothes up from behind uh, for the picture because they're torn all the way open just so I could get into it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, like a $10,000 dress that they have to take all the seams out. Oh. Oh. So, you know. That's interesting that it's picked that way because in the, the entertainment world, too, it comes down to if the decision maker likes you. So it sounds like, if if I listen correctly, if the photographer likes you yeah. and wants to use you, that's kind of the decider. Or the editor. Okay. So if you have an editor from a magazine, there's some very powerful editors. Mm-hmm. If they want this girl, they'll use that girl. But photographers, certainly, if they – especially the the important photographers, they have pick. Let's stay with that fitness bend and stuff because that's something you've you've made your mark with post-volleyball, post-for-women and and opportunities that are really more fitness-based. And Mm -hmm. and you and Laird have done a really cool job of carving out kind of your own brand, and you have a couple of things now. It's a Truition, Mm -hmm. a nutritional company now that you guys run that looks like a bunch of great supplements and and really a healthy way of eating. And maybe when you're on the road is the way I use supplements when I can't be in my own kitchen. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that and, and how you developed it. Well, for both Laird and I, you know, you, we were, we're always on the search for finding stuff that is of high quality and um, and tastes great because, let's face it, if you if it doesn't taste great, you're not going to do it every day. Yeah. And so we had sort of taken a lot of these products over the years. One was developed um, for us, the Greens product, but just sort of saying, hey, at a certain point, you know, in your 20s and your 30s, you can be a gun for hire and represent other companies, and that's a, that's a privilege. Mm-hmm. But then there gets to another place where you sort of go, well – um, maybe I want to try to, be, you know, create my own businesses because the reality is you only want to show up wearing Lycra, you know, for so many years. Um, <laughs> and then at some point you'd like to. I still want to, Jeremy. Well, I still want to show up wearing yeah. Lycra. Trust me, I know. I, like, like George wanted to be bathed else. in velvet. I want to be bathed in Lycra. <laughs> 
No, but you know what I mean? It's like you have to look ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and, you know, Laird is sort of an anomaly because he's still surfing at a very, very high level. And, you know, he he's probably of the age where most people would think that you don't do that anymore. Um, right. So anyway, so we, we, we sort of felt passionately. And also the other side of it is if you're going to represent something, you want to feel good about it and know that the ingredients are high quality. I would say you could sort of sell a bad T-shirt. But something you're asking people to put in their mouth, an ingestible of any kind, you really want to make sure yeah. it's good. Um, and that's why, the, the same token, why there's so many things, projects that we don't endorse. Right. Because you can't. Like, right. you can't tell people, hey, drink more water and avoid this and avoid that, and then you're there with a can of whatever. You can't do that. Monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just you can't because it's just, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to have longevity in there, you have to be sincere and be authentic. And so we did that, and... and um, you know, it's just kind of a natural, you know, everything should be a reflection of who you really are. He's popular. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. Do you, do you not like understand what's, do you the understand what's happening right now? Is that the first yeah. rule? My phone's been on silent since before I even walked I left, in the door, I'm Kevin. ahead of you. I left my phone Jeez. in the car. Wow. Just well, see that? Wow. Professional on an amateur show. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Net Live. We're talking with Gabby Reese here. Gabby, I want to ask you about, about Truition. Yeah. You founded it with the founder of Ballet Total Fitness, yeah. Don Wildman, which makes yeah. total sense to me. Who's 81. Okay. And you and I on our best day could not keep up with him on a bike. Wow. Really? No, really. We should. Straight up. Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> I wouldn't take that challenge. <laughs> you don't, I can only lose you, in that challenge. Never looked I into either the eyes. beat an 81-year-old man or he slaughters me. You yeah. never looked into the eyes of these kind of guys. All right, and also Rick Rubin, who's yeah. a music producer. Yes, he is. Jeremy, yeah. yes, he is. So that one doesn't make sense to me. Okay. How do you put that group together? Well, uh, Rick trains at my house several days a week for many years, and he's lost 160 pounds. And part Whoa. of the way he did that he's was... He's looking great now. Wow. He, does look yeah. great, he really does. Is The way he did that was for a very large period of time, he sort of did use very uh, high-quality protein, um, several days, I mean, several times during the day and would have one big meal. And mm-hmm. I think he did that for like a year and a half or two years. Hmm. And that's how he lost all of his weight. So he he's a friend of ours and um, he's a very big believer, maybe more than any of us in this kind of stuff. So, Wow, 160 pounds. I know a guy like that. That wouldn't be around anymore. Gym. Weighed 400 plus pounds and now and he's down to like 200. It's impressive. Really? Yeah, it is, it's, it's crazy amazing. to look at pictures of him and go, that's the same guy. Yeah, and their personality even changes. Oh, you know, they sure. kind of come out and come up and open. And, you know, before, you know, Rick used to walk around and only had shades on, stuff like okay. that. So that's how that came about. Because my thing, too, is if in your life you can mix your work with your life and work with people that you you like and love and respect, that really makes it um, kind of a complete experience yeah. if you can do it. Well, yeah, if you have the opportunity to kind of pick what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, all right, tell me about this, because I remember a few years ago, many years ago now, seeing an interview with you talking about, all right, I'm going to be a pro golfer. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a great experiment. And you put it in that context, saying yeah. this is an experiment to yeah. see what we can do with an athlete yeah. and what we can do with this incredibly yep. challenging, loosely, sport, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, uh, brutal. Skilled activity. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about that experience. Yeah. And you did it for four years, I so did. you gave it a go. I did give it a go, and then I started having children which made it that's really, a mistake they really weren't inconvenienced <laughs> yes they are uh, kids there are two like, that live here yeah i've tried to sell them but you know, strangely people like, don't take them yeah mommy needs to stand in the short game and do work for four hours to start working out. so i did give it a go i was traveling to arkansas to go with the instructor i even worked with butch Harmon um in vegas yeah. and um you know i started doing well but you know i learned something besides being incredibly humbled by that okay um I, 
I, I learned something really important about anything in life, which is this. First, you must do something because you genuinely like it. Mm, yeah. And worry about the other part later. So volleyball, I fell into volleyball. I genuinely enjoyed playing volleyball. I fell in love with volleyball, continued to play volleyball. The problem with me with golf was I went in there with a preset goal. I didn't even have the chance to discover, did I like golf? Did, mm. you know? And I, there were elements I did like, but I was so focused on the the task at hand that I never really understood my own relationship with golf. And so I think that that's a mistake in life because sometimes it's like people going, well, I'm just going to do something to get attention. Yeah. Yeah, well, why, why is that? Why don't you do something that feels good to you, that reflects who you really are, and all that other stuff kind of takes care of itself. Um, so, But I, I was intrigued, and you know what? Quite frankly, you know, I looked at volleyball and I thought, volleyball's not in great shape. And would this, could this be a way to prolong my athletic life? Because you're looking for something to do still. That competitor's oh, not gone. Come on. So the secretly, competitor doesn't die. <laughs> secretly, I was like, even if I was the worst golfer on the tour, if I could get my card and just even have a challenge like that. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I actually think there's been other women who've come later on in their life and come from other sports and gotten their cards. I don't actually think it's impossible from the women's side. Mm-hmm. I think the men's side is so brutally competitive, like in sports in general. Right, to be a professional female athlete is much easier than to be a professional male athlete. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, there's a lot less competition. There's a lot more guys playing each sport I'm with you on that. than there are women. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I the don't women disagree. aren't wildly talented. I'm just saying it's a little bit more of an easier field. But anyway. I like her even more. I know now. you do. Yeah. I think um, <laughs> so. I think it's just an interesting thing. I sh- so secretly, what was driving me was. Yeah, I would love to see if I could do something that I – because I, I was like, hey, I stay in shape. I'm, I'm going to be fit. Why couldn't I try to play golf till I was like 55 years old? Yeah. But like I said, then I started having babies, and I realized that um, I wasn't if, – if I had played golf before and then had babies, I would have been maybe good enough to go back. But the reality was I hadn't even gotten good enough to take a break to then come back. Yeah. You know, volleyball, I could do I could have done that. Because it was more natural and in me, but um, and you could take golf great golfers and they could take a you know a baby hiatus and then come back. I wasn't there. Did you get grief from other athletes or other golfers from coming from another sport, coming to their sport? And they're like, oh, no, how dare you? I mean, no. Of course, people never like when you say, hey, you're going to try something new, and they're not, and everybody knows how difficult golf is, and they think it's sort of preposterous that you'd actually think you could take it on. But in general, in my house, that never seems to be a big obstacle. But, you know, Laird is a great person to live with because many times in his life, people go, oh, why are you doing that? Or you can't do that. Or that's not possible. So it's, I think sometimes it's just going, hey, I'm willing to give it a try. And that's really what it was. Yeah. It was like, I'm willing to dedicate. Let me tell you, I, I was on the golf course eight hours a day for many years. I was there practicing and playing and doing stuff. However, um, it just wasn't the right timing. And it, and again, I don't regret, you know, you never regret anything, but, yeah, it was punishing. It was really, really punishing. And now when I get asked to do charity events, and then I did even long drive world championships. I qualified for those because yeah. I was like, okay, I could just focus on one club. Yeah. I think I had one of my daughters at that point or the second one. You're like Happy Gilmore, you'd be real good for that long drive. Yeah, you're tall, you yeah. just, you know, whatever. But um, then I just, um, I don't know, I don't regret it, but I just realized that um, you got to make sure why you're doing things. Like that last sentiment there. Make sure you know why you're doing things. Mic drop. I think we talked about that with, <laughs> with Matt Anderson. Right, Paul and Otto, Matt yep. Anderson. Yep. Make sure you know why you're doing things. So that's part one. 
Gabrielle Reese, interesting stuff in there. Much harder to be a male athlete, male professional athlete, than to be a female professional athlete. Interesting. What I took from that is she's saying percentage-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just numbers, peeps. Okay, yep. man. Just numbers. Well, that's why I'm saying that because people will they'll just hear that comment and they'll freak out like you tried to get Katie mad at you during the segment. Uh-huh. I did look you over at Katie. To, you tried to bait me, but you don't yeah. realize that I actually agree with you on the Title IX <laughs> stuff, so there's no well, baiting in, involved in this. And then once that didn't work, I went back to trying to watch Ken Block and uh-huh. his four-wheel drive custom Mustang. That's what I'd, I'd rather watch. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it, it's a wide-ranging interview with her. Fun to sit down and, and talk with her, the golf stuff. Kind of funny. Yeah. Because I wonder what had happened to that. I liked her take on uh, Beach when she was talking about the lifestyle aspect of it. And I've said this recently that I feel like selling the lifestyle today is the wrong direction to go. Yeah. Um, you can't sell the lifestyle of volleyball anymore. No one other than the player is buying. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Who gets to just play volleyball all the time and live at the beach and play in tournaments and win? Like you could you could sell the surfing lifestyle because you can go out and surf every day before you go to work or maybe take a trip or two once a year to go to some cool surf spot, but you can't sell the volleyball lifestyle. Beach volleyball lifestyle. Because there's s- no beach. <laughs> Most people don't live next to a beach. <laughs> you could do it. I don't know. How do you sell you, you don't sell football with lifestyle though, you sell it with the game. Yeah, interesting point. You're welcome. I think it was a good show. I think we dominated. We call it. We call it a day. We're out of here, Matt Anderson. Exactly. Guest seventeen hundred. What is the volleyball lifestyle? That's what I'm saying. You can't. You're not selling it. Well, if you ask the top four players, that means they play in tournaments and they cruise for the other half of the year. They don't cruise. <laughs> I understand. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. And everyone out there knows. I realize what they're doing. <laughs> but for the for the next eight to ten pairs. Mm-hmm. That means you better have another job. You better have some other source of income. We talked earlier about needing to be 100% dedicated to something, to being really good at it. Well, you're living pretty low or you're trading on your parents. You're doing something to keep yourself alive to span to the next season. You maybe are robbing banks to finance the endless summer. Nice. Or as Vinny Lope says, volleyball lifestyle equals listening to TNL while at work. <laughs> that may be. At a real job. Before we go... More Beach, I want to say congratulations to Jose Loyola, winner of 55 tournaments, Manhattan Beach twice in 95 and 2000. Barb Fontana, 301 tournaments played, 20 wins, fourth in Atlanta with Linda Hanley. People may not even remember that in the Olympics in 1996. And Bob Clem, who is way back in the day, 31 tournaments, 9 wins. Oh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that Barb Fontana won Manhattan Beach in 01 mm-hmm. with... Elaine Young. Mm-hmm. EY. Want to congratulate all of them. They will be entered into the California Beach Volleyball Association Hall of Fame coming up. I believe it's the 21st. This yeah, Friday. November 21st, this Friday, at the Hermosa Beach Community Theater. So if you want to attend, I believe it's $10. You have $10 in your couch, or maybe you dropped it between your center console With and your $10 car. $10 change in their couch. <laughs> it's, a, it's a noisy couch. Yeah. So you might want to attend that event. Uh, congratulations to those athletes and for what they have brought to the sport. They'll also be honoring Kerry and Sean Rosendahl. Nice. And they will be honoring them for their current contributions. I'm not sure what that, what that honor means. And I also I want to note that beach volleyball is still happening here. We had tournaments happening even last week. Canadians were winning. Some Certain people wanted Canada talked about, but I couldn't even figure out 
the names of the people they were playing and who it was. Uh, listen, we don't watch skiing in July. I'm not watching beach volleyball in November. Sorry, folks. How can you watch it anyway? It's not on. <laughs> Good point. Uh, I got to listen to some British man by himself talk about it. <laughs> Anyways, congratulations to those three people who've given uh, a lot to the sport. Barb Fontana back in the day. Doug me some Barb Fontana. She could play the game. Doug me. That's, that was my Barb first Fontana. introduction to learning the game of beach volleyball. She coached our camp at Stanford, and I got to sit and listen to her for a week. Nice. That's awesome. cool. Nice. I Good like learning it. experience sit for back sure, in considering a... I know nothing about the beach game and other than play with two people. I mean, <laughs> I was an indoor person. There's sand. There's, yep. You get really sandy playing it. That was pretty much all I had. And then she sat down with us coaches and taught us what we needed to know and – that was a really cool way to learn the game. Thank you to Vinny and Brandon for College of Volleyball Weekly. We will keep an eye on that. Thanks to Gabby Reese. Thank you to Matt Anderson for calling in the ABCA and 6 8 Clothing for supporting the show. To you, Jeremy, for showing up and making sure that the tech stuff works. I will I will not show up next week. Did you take any photos? No. This whole show? Nope. Not whole show, photos no photos. Nope, not one. Jeez. You didn't get me any cool gifts this you week. You don't have any models. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a gift last week. I... Nothing to post this week, Kevin. Fail. <laughs> All right, we will have the second half of the Gabrielle Reese interview after Thanksgiving, after Selection Sunday. We hope you enjoy a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family and friends. We will. Katie will be back in Philly. No, you'll be here. No, I'm here. Oh, you're, I, we were talking about Christmas that you're going to be back Christmas, in Philly. Christmas, I'm in Philly. So next show, December 1st. December 1st. Okay. Ooh. You're out, Katie? No, Ooh. wait. And you, and you, you want to be on the No, whatever intro. Monday that is. December okay. 1st. Whatever Monday that is. December 1st. I have a calendar right now. Thanks to you, the listener. Happy Turkey Day, everybody. We'll interact with you on Facebook. Send us an email to netlive at gmail.com. If you're listening, if you have a comment or anything, drop it to us. Facebook.com slash the netlive or Twitter.com slash the netlive. I'm Kevin. He's Jeremy. She's Kelly or Katie or whoever it is. Chuckles. And we're out of here. Closer. <laughs> Happy holidays. Talk to you in two weeks. Teams make it to the championship round, but who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. Get right back at her. And the best way to see it is to experience it live. Could be a big moment. At the 2014 NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com volleyball and reserve your seats today.